We are unhinged, baby. Welcome into the Far End of the Bench podcast, episode 9, with Jimmy Pilato and Nico Bryant. Nico starts off this week with the center of attention segment, and he explains a little bit where that heat culture came from. And then we got plenty of other sports to talk about. We, we do get in-depth in the NBA Finals. Uh, they just had game four the night before you guys are able to listen to this on the Unhinged Network Live or recording right afterwards on Wednesday night. But then we also got way deep into football, had lots and lots of discussion about that. Uh, and we finish out with our regular segments. You know, This is our first episode on the Unhinged Network. We're super excited about that. Go, sh- go follow them on Twitter at Network Unhinged and then on Instagram at UnhingedSN because they've been great for us and, and we can't wait to keep working with them. Uh, but with with that and everything, let's get to Nico's center of attention. It's spooky season, baby. It's spooktober, Jim. Oh, it, it is spooktober, but baby, look at it. We're we're still not gonna. We still can't start. It's, it's spooky. It's spooky. It was so spooky. We might. Ooh. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to teach you all about the one man, the one person in basketball that is one of the greatest minds the sport has ever seen, but you don't know his name. And that person's name is Andy Ellsberg. Pat Riley and Miami Heat organization is built on a great culture, man. If you, when you think about the Heat, you think about Pat Riley, you think about D-Wade, you think about LeBron, you think about Chris Bosh, you think about those all the great players, but there's one person behind, not only just Pat Riley, but behind all that, and that was Pat, Andy Ellsberg. Andy was a I had the great opportunity of meeting Andy or meeting Andy many times while Chris was playing there and getting to meet him blah 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 after the ring ceremony and then as well getting to meet Pat Riley but sitting down and talking with Andy back in 2012 I got to hear how he constructed the big three in Miami how he was able to how they were preparing for LeBron and Chris Bosh to be free agents and clear all his cap space and this year is another epitome of just how great he's, he is at his job this team is built on a bunch of people who were who were undrafted, who were D three basketball players at one point. Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson were not heavily recruited out of high school. That's not something unheard of for a team that's led by those two, like in the NBA Finals. That's unheard of. Um, he he continues to keep putting out great talent and putting teams that are always competitive. You never see the Heat as a top five in in the draft. Like you never see that ever. And there's a reason behind that. It's not only Pat Riley. Andy Ellsberg continues to do it week in or year in and year out. And he deserves to be more well-known around the NBA. Because without, without him, this Heat dynasty, we could be talking about completely different. Because every, behind Pat Riley, Andy Ellsberg has done so many incredible, incredible things. And it, it is a atonement to that Heat culture that's built by Pat and by Spo, by Dwayne Blade and all those players. What is up, bench warmers? Oh, it, it feels good. This is, uh, you know, you just did the whole thing on, on the heat and heat culture kind of defined where the heat culture came from. We had another huge week in sports. I mean, uh, college football, even though we're not talking about it a lot, not a lot of people are talking about it. Oklahoma went down again. Uh, so that'll be interesting moving forward. Obviously, the NBA final started. Big weekend in the NFL. It's probably the worst football that was played in the NFL, but football is back. 
And, we have sports. And most importantly, Jimmy, it's Spooktober, baby. It is Spooktober. Oh my gosh, it's Spooktober. For all those people who, who don't listen to other podcasts, sports podcasts, whatever it means, it is Spooktober, baby. It's not October. It's Spooktober. Be sure to get in your scary movies. Yep. Watch it. Watch all these. Get your spook on, baby. There's a lot. Watch the Halloween franchise. There's like 12 movies. You could start 15th. Or I don't. Again, not a math guy. But you could start at a certain date and then finish with the brand new Halloween uh, on Halloween night. So that's that's a lot of fun with October. We're, this is the first podcast we have mm-hmm. on the Unhinged Network live. You guys were able to hear a classic episode over the weekend, but this is the first time that we're live on that on that network. So thank you guys for everybody who's tuning in to the Unhinged Network for listening to the Far End of the Bench podcast with Jimmy Pilato and Nico Bryant. And uh, let's let's start recapping because we got a lot to get through. You just talked about basketball. Uh, the NBA Finals started off uh, not the way I expected. I thought it was going to be way more competitive scoring-wise, and I did think that the Lakers were going to split the first two games with the Heat. Ended up not happening. They went down. Uh, the Lakers went up 2-0. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy, don't call me James Butler, now has to orchestrate some sort of a comeback and try and keep this team in it without Bam Adebayo. I don't know when he's going to be back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what happened in the first two games that let the Lakers dominate the way that they did, and then what did the Heat do all, all of a sudden that kind of changes changed things? It, it's plain and simple. Those those first two games, it was dominated, and I mean dominated by Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Both both those, both Anthony Davis and LeBron scored thirty points each in the first two games. I, that this is this is unheard of, especially for a LeBron teammate. Um, People argue about who the greatest teammate LeBron's ever had, and I still think it's Dwayne Wade. But Anthony Davis is right in that conversation. He he has been unbelievable. I mean, we we thought at the beginning of the series we thought it'd be the battle of the battle of the bigs. It'd be Anthony Davis for ba- versus Bam Adebayo, and they would just be Godzilla versus versus King Kong, and be just an absolute incredible matchup. But the matchup we got in those first two games was Anthony Davis versus LeBron. Yeah. And who's going to win finals MVP? That's what we were getting. I mean, it, 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 was, it was crazy. Um, in game three, though, the, the one thing I saw that, that made a huge difference is the Heat were going after Anthony Davis. They were being physical with him. They weren't afraid to throw Jay Crowder. They weren't afraid to throw Kelly Olenek. They weren't afraid to throw Myers Leonard at him. And they were being physical with him. It is exactly what the Lakers did to Jokic in the Western Conference Finals. Jokic would quickly got three fouls in the first half. And he was done basically the whole first half. That's what the Heat were able to do. They were able to cause charges and get Anthony Davis in foul trouble. And the Lakers were playing catch-up the whole game because of that. Is Bam going to be able to come back at some point? Right right now it's questionable. I think think there's a good chance he comes back. Um, I think... Be- between Bam and Goran Dragic, who's a point guard also who's hurt, I think Bam has a better shot coming back. Um, Dragic had an interview last night that said he was he's pretty banged up and he's struggling to walk and he doesn't want to be a nuisance to the team. So it looks like he probably won't be able to be back for a few more games. But I think you get a good shot. Bam will come back, which that's, is going to be huge. That's a testament to the Heat culture of a guy. Yes, he wants to come back and yes, he wants to play in the finals, but he's not willing to risk the well-being of the team if he's not healthy enough to play at full strength. So I, I like that. My thing is um, you can't go down 3-1 on this LeBron-led Lakers mm-hmm. team. Like we want to I, – I don't want to admit it. I, I try not to, but LeBron James is LeBron James. You say it a lot. And LeBron James with Anthony Davis against a Miami Heat team where on paper they should probably dominate. They probably should have swept – the Heat in this finals, 
this is game four. Game game three was a must win. Game four is an even bigger must win. This you can't go down three one. You got to get out of here two and two and make it a three game series. Yeah, I tweeted this before game three and saying this is very very similar if you're a Heat fan to the 06 finals. The 06 NBA finals with Shaq and D Wade um, when they faced Dirk and faced uh, uh, Steve Nash and all those guys in Dallas. They were they went down two zero. Um, and then the Heat came back and won four straight. Mm-hmm. If on paper, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with the here there. The, on paper, the Lakers are have the two best players in the, in, in the in the um, series. But besides that, they don't compete as well behind them. And that's why getting Anthony Davis in, in foul trouble was so huge. Yeah. Charles Barkley called them a bunch of Jags, calling them just vanilla guys. That's a, I mean that's pretty disrespectful that's, to the Jaguars, honestly, if I'm being honest, because <laughs> because the Lakers role players were trash. Yeah. I mean Danny Green can't throw it into the side of the barn. He's he is. Um, trending every other day on Twitter because the Lakers fans are just having a heyday on him. Kuzma, apparently most Lakers fans don't even want him to win a ring if they win. I don't want Kuzma to win a ring. That's that's beside the point. Danny Green shoots like I do, where you know it's never going to be good, but he's going to keep shooting. He's going to keep trying to put it up there, and he's going to walk away with his two points, three fouls, and like two two assists. I I think that the heat depth goes a a long way. But I think the main reason why on paper people say the Lakers should dominate is because the top two on the Lakers are better than the top two on the Heat. Whether or not you think, uh, I mean, obviously LeBron James, Jimmy Butler is a great player. LeBron James is better than Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has the chance to be better in this series. But I think overall, player for player, pound for pound, who do you want with the ball in their hands? It's 10 out of 10 you want LeBron James in the hands. The one thing I'll give Jimmy, though, he was the best player on the floor in Game Three, there, there was no no one per, no per, single person on that floor, including LeBron, was, was going to stop him in Game Three. And I hope to see we, we keep seeing that throughout Game Four, especially because he is he is the team right now, especially with no Bam, unless unless Duncan Robinson, unless Tyler Hero are able to catch fire and not start hitting more shots, it's going to be on his back. And that's what happened in Game Three. I don't know if he can do that for more than one or two games. But if you can, then the Heat have a very good shot at winning this. Yeah, and the other thing, I mean, the Lakers haven't lost back-to-back games in the playoffs. That's true. So it's similar to the Lightning going into game six. I thought there was a chance that Dallas pushes it to a seven, but then you get the stat throughout the entire playoff series and throughout the entire time they've been in a bubble, they haven't lost back-to-back games. It's difficult to be the team that's going to do that. If they And that's the other thing. That's why I think game four is so pivotal. If they are able to beat the Lakers back-to-back, the series, you know, who your big two go out the window? Everything goes out the window. If you get if you get it down to a best of three series in this NBA Finals, I gladly will put my hat in the ring of the Miami Miami Heat win that series because I don't think that outside of LeBron and maybe Anthony Davis, the Lakers have the mental toughness to deal with the Heat pushing them that that hard. But I mean. If they are able to extend it, it's the same thing with the Nuggets. The Nuggets got got a series to Game Seven. They were mentally tough enough to put put their foot to you and, and then put you out. I think the Heat have that in them too. No, the the dogs that the Heat have. Tyler Hero is a dog. Duncan Robinson is a dog. Myers Leonard is a dog. Kelly Olynyk. We are seeing. I mean, Jimmy, you probably don't remember this because you're not big in college basketball as I am. But Kelly Olynyk was an absolute animal at Gonzaga back in his days, and we are. And I haven't seen him play this well since he was in the March Madness tournament back in 2011, I believe it was. He, he is playing out of his mind. Um, he he was the second leading scorer in Game Two. In Game Three, he kept hitting big shot after big shot. You're getting role players that 
for the Miami Heat aren't necessarily well known compared to Rondo or uh, KCP or Kuzma on the Lakers, but they are much better athletes than um, than what the Lakers are showing. Mm-hmm. I think the only mental toughness outside of LeBron and Lakers is Rondo. I I don't I haven't seen that from AD yet. Yeah. I've seen I've, I've seen I'm gonna give Rondo the benefit of the doubt because he has that championship pedigree and he's been able to, he's been on a lot of great teams. Um, so that that's that's the only way I see that, but. If AD is able to have that killer instinct like like he did back in the Nuggets series, then we're going to see this game's going to end, the series is going to end in five. We're recording this on on Monday before Game Four happens on Tuesday, but it's it, it's a case of um, what what happens in Game Four. If like we said, if, we, if the Heat lose that three one series, almost insurmountable. But we've seen crazier things. But getting to two two series and having a three game um, three games or two out of win two out of three games for the NBA Finals, anything can happen. That's that's a big big what if in sports. Always want to walk away with a split, no matter what, um, and you always want to match what your opponent does. Especially, you know, it, obviously as a football player, not playing in many series, it's, it's something that I had to learn over time. But I'm starting to learn like these d- games do carry different amounts of weight. You, if you, depending on how you go up three one in a series, does depend, um, does kind of dictate how the rest of that series goes. So, like I said, it'll be interesting. Uh, when you're listening to this on Wednesday, you can either say that we're geniuses or we're we're dummies. But then, uh, however Tuesday goes, makes Friday very very interesting because the Lakers could honestly finish this NBA season by the end of the week, and it's not out of the realm of possibility to say that that's going to happen. Yeah, the the one thing for the Heat that I've been seeing a lot is is uh, Eric Spoelstra likes going to that two three zone as well. That two three zone has has is really really good, especially for a Lakers team that shot sixty freaking threes in game two. Literally broken NBA Finals record for most threes in an NBA Finals game. Mm-hmm. And that's that's saying something considering we had the Warriors in the finals for five straight years. That's a lot. That's saying a lot. And Kuzma is living and dying by a three. KCP is living and dying by a three. Danny Green is living and dying by a three. The, the, it, it, this Heat team can stay in a 3-2 zone or a 1-2-2 more likely. That guards perimeter, but you got to slow down penetration. And that penetration is going to be coming from LeBron and Rondo, and then that dip, that and then dishing it to the bigs underneath. That's, that's where the Heat are going to have problems with. Don't let but, the transition offense get going because their transition offense is a snowball. If it starts rolling downhill, it's very difficult to exactly. stop. Exactly. We, we, like we said, we saw that with the Nuggets. I mean, the yeah. Lakers put off 12 straight. Um, fast break points on six straight turnovers at one point. That was just another ridiculous stat that happened um, during the Nuggets series. Like it's, it's one of those things where if the Heat are able to stay in the three-two zone and keep everything in front of them and make make those make the Lakers hit contested threes constantly and shoot 63s a game, mm-hmm. Lakers aren't going to win very many games like that because they're very consistent on getting the ball inside, especially to Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard, and and, pen- and punishing you underneath. Yep. If, if, you're, if you're forcing them to shoot so many threes, then that's even going to work more in your favor. Yeah, you got to make it ugly. That's uh, you got to have some grit to you. you got to have some grime, and I think Jimmy Butler has that. Um, I, I want to know – I mean, look, we were talking a little bit before we turned the mic and the camera on. LeBron walking off the floor last night. How big of a deal is it? What do you make of it? I kind of got I got put in my place on Twitter. I made a dumb dumb statement. I'm not going to delete it because it's got to be out there. I do make mistakes, and I owned up to it. Uh, Tyler and my cousin Dalton got me last night on Twitter. But I don't like – when NBA players do that, I don't like it. I think if you're going to – 
celebrate when you win. You might as well shake the guy's hand when you lose. That, that's my kind of feeling about it. Does this matter in the series moving forward? Does this show a little bit of chink in LeBron's armor? What what does him walking off the floor early last night mean? In, in, in a playoff series, it, it is a lot more likely for that to happen, especially in basketball. When, it, when, it, when you compare it to football, where it's one game, do or die, that's a completely story. Basketball, um, where you're playing a, playing a team four plus times, whatever it may be, you don't handshake after every game. That's just that's just something that doesn't go through. You walk off. Was it right that he walked off that early? No, it wasn't. I I I, I completely I mean just I, on his own team as well, like that's your leader and he walked back to the locker room. He basically conceded the game. I mean, it, pro- it probably was over, but like if he's on the bench, maybe those other guys think we still have a chance to get in this thing. The thing, the thing is though, is it's it's not more of LeBron's character. It's just the spur of the moment. He was pissed off. I mean, you, when you have Kuzma, you have Rondo, and you have AD playing as bad as they did in Game Three, I'd be fucking pissed too. Cause that, cause like it or not, this whole series, no one gives a shit if Anthony Davis loses this series. Yeah. No one cares at all. No one, no one cares if Rondo loses this series. There's only one person that this whole NBA Finals back is on, and that's LeBron. Mm-hmm. LeBron, everyone's gonna look at LeBron just because of the great uh, of the career he's had and how he's always compared to Jordan and all that. No, if Anthony Davis loses, no one cares. Like we said, no one cares at all. No. This is this is all on LeBron's shoulders, and when his legacy and his um his NBA Finals record is on the line and these players around him are playing as poorly as they are, I'd be fucking pissed too. Yeah. The, I mean, he's the only one that's got a Finals record. Everybody else on the team, everybody else on the floor doesn't even have a Finals record. So I agree with you there. Um, that's just not the way that I would like a leader to handle that situation. Thinking about it from a coaching perspective, but obviously I'm not the not the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, LeBron is the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Don't forget that. Frank Vogel is just the... the "Quote unquote." Uh, he's the guy who coach. signed the waiver so yeah. that the kids could play. Yeah, he's the he's the Billy Bob Thornton and the uh, Bad News Bears. But before we go on to the NFL talk, because we got a lot to talk about there, we do got to talk about the Nuggets made a little bit of news recently and um, came out and said that they are in the sweepstakes sweepstakes of Drew Holiday. We I did talk about this a little bit in weeks past. Um, how. Drew Holiday is an option um, in trade talks. There's Bradley Beal. There's Victor Oladipo. There's a lot of different players that, that are a possibility on the Nuggets' radars to take another step. Um, they came out today that they're a possibility a trade partner with New Orleans. But I, 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 saw, I saw a ridiculous trade, um, a possible trade that would happen, and it was Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., and Bull Bull for Drew Holiday. And that, if the Nuggets take that, they're being idiotic, first of all. And B, you're you're wasting two great talents between Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull. I mean, Gary Harris, I'll give him his due, but you're you're wasting those two guys on Drew Holiday, who is who was an All Star, but he is remote. He is a few years removed from that. But if that deal is in place for Bradley Beal, then we're talking about something else. But Drew Holiday, for that matter, that's you, Michael Porter Jr. and Bull are off limits. No, you don't give up three young guys unless you're getting a LeBron James or an Anthony Davis or DeMarcus Cousins. Even that that's happened before. Kevin Durant. You don't you don't sell your future on a guy who was an All Star two fucking seasons ago. Yeah. And that that I'm sorry that I came out and pronounced my Nuggets fandom last week because that sounds exactly like something a team I cheer for, I root for would do. That's that would be bad front office management. That would go back to my center of attention where you kind of schooled me on the rest of the episode about how the Nuggets have put themselves together because I don't think they win a championship if they do that. 
Mm-hmm. They right now they're in the champ in their championship window because they have those young guys that have unlimited unlimited talent, and they're able to they're going to be able to develop them for a couple seasons and get them where they need to go. You're taking a huge risk on a guy that might come back into form, might not. But what happens if MPJ and Bobo go to New Orleans and New Orleans ends up winning a championship with him, them two, and Zion? Yeah, no, I I do think Drew Holiday is a great option. Um, to be another piece, I think he could be yeah, a lot. He's another piece. Team. He's a piece. He's hey, not with the, the team that they he, have. He's not a star player. No, and, but the, that's he's a piece with the team that they have. And if the Nuggets were able to make a trade like that and not have MPJ in there and not have Bull Bull in there and possibly give up a Gary Harris, Will Barton, and a first round pick that would be at the end of the first round because we are talking to her now, so yeah. first round picks really don't matter. Um, then, then I'll, then I'll, then I'll think about it better. But if it, that deal, giving up Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull for Drew Holiday, who is past his prime, that's just something the Nuggets can't make. No, anybody outside of their first three seasons, I don't really want to see them trade away Plumley. Uh, I think he has, if he gets right and kind of gets himself under control, I think he could be really good for them moving forward. I honestly, uh, they're the one team in Denver that has drafted well and is ready to kind of move those pieces that they've drafted and developed into place. And that would be a huge step backward for the organization as a whole. Like, cool, you got a player, but now you're set up to win maybe two, three championships in a five-year span. If you did that, you have a two-year window to possibly win one championship. It's just, it's risk and reward. And right now that seems like a whole lot of risk. Granted, I don't know Nuggets or NBA free agency all that well. But just thinking about it from like a franchise standpoint, where you are now, you're in a better place than anybody ever thought you were going to be coming off the, the pandemic and the end of last season, a couple seasons ago. Why, why take the step backward? Why just take another step forward? Uh, I don't think you need a huge superstar to add to this. If you get a guy who could play, uh, all you really need is another guy who could play consistently night in and night out. I think one of the pieces that the Nuggets definitely are missing, I do like Plumlee a lot, but he's not intimidating defensively at all. He, it's just not happening. If you're able, I mean, I, I'm just I'm just. His athleticism, just, though, just, it's tough to keep him off the floor. Yeah, it, he's got pretty good athleticism for, for, a, white, for a white kid. But, <laughs> pretty I mean, flat for if, a white if you're able to, If you're able to get, like, a, I'm just saying, spitting this name out, I don't think it'll happen, but if you're, if you're able to get a Dwight Howard that can just be a menace in the second group, then that's that, that'd be a lot more valuable than Plumlee is. Um, Paul Melsap, we, we talked about this earlier, like past episodes or whatever, maybe Melsap probably won't be a starting power forward, but he'd be a great bench piece. There's so many things that I he assume can do. Jeremy Grant's not on the table for you either. J- Jeremy Grant is untouchable. He, 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 is, he needs to be locked in. He needs to be paid his money. Like Dak Prescott, he needs to be paid. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I do... Th- the NBA is so unless your name is LeBron James or Steph Curry, like the the championship window is so tiny. It's it's very very minimal. There's so many players that have never been able to get over the hump mm-hmm. because they only have those two year spans. I do think the Nuggets need to go for it. I do think we need to make a move to completely solidify ourselves at the top of Western Conference. Um, I don't know what that move will be, but I do think we need to make that move now. I don't. I don't think we salvage our future. There are certain pieces that are untouchable, but you do need to make a move to continue on the path you are, because the West is only going to get better. Let's be honest. The West is only going to get better. Yeah. Like you said, the Warriors are coming back. Yeah. Warriors are coming back. Warriors are coming back, and you're hoping that the Lakers don't lock down Anthony Davis for any longer than what they have him for. You're hoping that he kind of takes his take whatever he gets and goes. 
for the, by the way, for the people listening on Unhinged, we forgot to say it at the first beginning of the episode. We're based out of Denver, so that's, you're going to hear lots of Nuggets, lots of Rockies, lots of Broncos. Maybe not so much Rockies, but a lot more Avalanche. Yeah, Avalanche. <laughs> a lot more Avalanche. That's what I was searching for. <laughs> not Rockies. Uh, but we're based. We're the furthest. We're the farthest based West podcast on the network. So we'll keep you guys up to date on what's going out here in in the burning West. Uh, want to talk? You want to start on some football? Because yeah, let's I've been dying to talk about some. Football. Oh, we got to talk about this football, man. The breaking news that came out today, Monday, was Bill O'Brien was fired. Mm-hmm. No one thought that he was going to be the first coach fired, and I don't think he should have been the first coach fired. First coach like, and GM. First coach and GM. Maybe he should have just got. They should have taken the GM name away from him. But yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I'm, I'm. I'm questioning this a lot because, like I said last week, the Texans have had a murderous row of opponents to start the year. They played three title contenders in, in Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Kansas City, and then this past week they, they they struggled. But I mean, I think it was it was unfair. I mean, it it could seem unfair at some points, but then you got to think about what happened in the off season and when you trade away DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, which. If it's 2015, maybe I'm listening to that a little bit. Whenever the Cardinals had their big run and David Johnson was a huge part of their Super Bowl uh, contention, but he turned the, he turned the the stove up on himself when he did when he made that trade. And now you come into the new season, you have oh this is the trade that's going to set us over the top. We have a running back now with David Johnson in the backfield with Deshaun Watson. We have our quarterback and our running back. Oh shit, we don't have an offensive line. Oh shit, we don't have linebackers to play. We traded Jadavion Clowney for a third-round pick. What? And, and now, like, this was comeuppance for a, a lot of bad moves that's made in the past. It's Yeah, they, it's 0-4, so you have a little bit of reason to say that's that's why. But it's mainly because he's an awful GM. You're not, you're not only wasting Deshaun Watson's career, but you're also wasting one of the best defenders, defensive players in the league in J.J. Watt's career. I, I honestly think J.J. Watt's already on the decline, too. Just physically, he's older. His body doesn't hold up quite as well. I think he's the second best Watt brother in the league right now. I think TJ has has surpassed his older brother, um, just because of the youth factor, and he hasn't had quite as much wear and tear on him. But I agree. Like honestly, looking at the Texans roster, they have a lot of pieces in place to be pretty good. And the AFC South, outside of the Colts, I think I put the Colts in quotes because I don't think that they're a huge contender out in the in the AFC South. This should have been their division. It was their division last year. They should have had a first round bye last year. They fell apart in the middle of the season, like. But now at 0 and 4, 0 and 4 is technically impossible to make the playoffs out of anyways. Especially or win your division out of. It's tough to make the playoffs when you start 0 and 4, and then you think of everybody else who's playing well extra wild card spot I don't even think they make the extra wild card spot with the way that they were going I think firing Bill O'Brien puts them in a better situation to do that and make a better run in the end of the season but Bill O'Brien if he's on the sideline they don't make playoffs I'm going to argue with with the fact that it's it's that it was the Texans division to lose because it, it's still the Titans division to lose um, I, I would argue there. I think I think they're still battling for second place behind the Colts. I still think the Titans defense and the Titans um, run game still puts them at the top above that division overall. Uh, I think shout the, out the boys, no free shout outs. Yeah, I think the Texans do did have a shot there, but starting 0 four, it's basically a death sentence. Right, especially in this season now, where there's so many injuries, yeah. it's very very tough to get yourself out of that hole. People talk about 0 and two as a death sentence, and now 0 and four. Uh, I think they extended it out to the first quarter of the season because nobody knew what was going to happen with the virus. Um, also, the Titans, fuck you guys because you were the first. You you made everybody take a look at the protocols. 
probably going to get fined to hell for it because the NFL is going to make an example out of you. But shame on you for not following protocol and getting your game canceled. Um, but, I mean, I, I thought that, you know, I, I don't know where I was going. Oh, it's all right, all four death yeah. seconds. All four, that's what it was. Even, the, like, the extended playoff system and the, and the COVID season, like, people were giving them as much leash as possible. Take the leash away. Fire, fire Bill Bryan. Um, Romeo Cornell. Will be decent for them moving forward. He's the guy who's stepping in as the interim head coach. He was the defensive coordinator, but uh, I don't see the. I think they're probably third in their division. It's, Thank God they have Jacksonville. Yeah, it, it's 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 a problem we neither of us have now because both of our teams won this. Oh past yeah. Year. Um, going along before we move on to the rest of the games, we got to talk about the Broncos Thursday night game and that. Oh, shit show of a game, but that that was that was a tough game to watch. Um, everyone thought Adam Gase should have been the first head coach fired, and I really think he should have been because that was horrendous. I mean, the Broncos. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say it, Broncos had no um, had no right winning that football game. But let's be honest here. We the amount of injuries we we've had, it's been horrendous. Um, right now, the Jets have more. Uh, maybe more weapons, I guess, just because of the Jets injured. had a lot of t- a ton of injuries too. A ton of injuries too. Like it, it was just it was a battle of the practice squads basically. Um, and and Rippin was able to come out in the first half and play lights out. But then we saw why this is still Drew Locke's team. And he threw back to back picks and basically brought the Jets back in the game. So this is still Drew Locke's team. Everybody, please calm down again. Calm down. Is it? This is not Rippin. This is, is not Rippin's team. This is Locke's team. What about Driscoll? Um, Driscoll is the Chasing Hill now because he's only good for running out there and doing QB draw. So uh, it, it's, this is Drew Locke's team. He'll come back either next week or the week after. It sounds like he'll probably be back for the Dolphins game in two weeks. But Put it um, this way, would you rather have Rippin as a backup quarterback or Joe Flacco? Because Rippin, we saw what, we had, out of 10. We had Rippin, Flacco sighting on Thursday night, oh my God. which was I, awful. I, I, I was texting you during the game, and I was like, I, if we lose – to the Jets with Joe Flacco starting a quarterback, I may never talk shit ever again about anybody. Like yeah. if it, that That's how bad it would have been if we would have lost to the Jets with Joe Flacco. But Sam Darnold came back, luckily, because he, he is such a good talent. He just needs help. Because I mean, besides Jameson Crowder or James Crowder or Jameson Crowder, whatever his name is, like there's nothing on that offense for the Jets. No, nothing. With, with Frank Gore, a 37, 38-year-old running back, is your number one option. That's with, so bad. Without Le'Veon, so without Le'Veon, they lack a lot in their um, offensive production. Makai Becton's also hurt their big left, the uh, big tackle, who might not be that good at blocking, but it takes four, four and a half days to run around his giant ass. Uh, so, you know, Dom, we feel, I feel for you because I, I know where you, you where you suck. came from. But, yeah, I mean, Nico's going to give you shit the, because the, you the lost. J- the Jets organization, I, 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 we had banter a little bit with, with another Jets fan on, on our Twitter during that game. I was telling him, I was like, yeah, the Broncos had to run plays and they were throwing it out of bounds. But when Adam Gase decides he's going to call a bunch of timeouts at the end of the game, fuck that. Oh, the I game was, was over. I went me. to bed when he called that first timeout in the fourth quarter. That was horse shit. Was, the game, the game was bad enough as it was, and then just to make everybody sit through ten more minutes of that atrocity. That it, is just, it is poor coaching. It yeah. is poor, poor management. Adam Gase should have been fired by now, by far. He should I have mean, been let back in the locker room. He 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 made Fangio look like he coached the best game of his life, and Fangio has not been playing. He's not been coaching great. I, he, I think he made Fangio look incredible. I think it was a battle of two bad teams and a battle of two bad head coaches. I don't think Fangio. I'm not sold as fit on Fangio as a head coach. 
I don't know. I know you think that he's he's good, like discipline wise for the team, sure. But you know, John Fox was good discipline wise for the team too. That that Jets team, that Jets team that that we saw on Thursday night was a Broncos team two years ago under. Um, I don't even want to say his name. Before Fangio came, was the head coach. There was no discipline at all. They were making cheap shots at the quarterback. Dumb penalty after dumb penalty after dumb penalty. And although Fangio may not have what it takes to be a head coach, he is a great coordinator. And the defense has played great up to this point with all the injuries we've had. Except tackling. Tackling still a big question. That's not just going back to Darnold's touchdown run. The week before, they had bad tackling against the Steelers. Um and he just, you know, he's he's not a people person. He's gonna have a mutiny. He he's he's the one driving the is this Drew Locke's team train because he refuses. Like he never gives praise where it's due. We talked about it in one of the first episodes. I said I didn't like it when uh, Philip Lindsay finally got past the thousand. He was gonna be the first undrafted free agent to do back to back thousand yard rushes. You have no chance in the playoffs. Winning the game doesn't mean a thing. Take him out. He got the record. That's that's cool. Take him out. This is a big deal in the team in the team season. That's the only good thing you have going for yourself right now is that you got a, made NFL history with a hometown running back. Yeah, no, it's Phil, Phil Lindsay especially. I mean, it, it's tough watching Broncos football without him because without Locke or without Lindsay, it's it's very tough to watch the offense. Except if you're Jerry Judy, um, who, who made an absolutely incredible play with getting. Mom- Mossing the Jets defender, but it's tough to watch the Broncos offense. I mean, Bradley Chubb finally played a great game, a yeah. full game on Thursday night. He's which, back, which he's, is great he's finally to fully see. Back. It's he, great to see because you're gonna need him to be that stud on the defensive end, especially without Casey, without Vaughn. Um, he's gonna a, be the backbone of that defense. How and long is Atachu out? I'm not sure how long Atachu's out, but he's only he's not he's not a top guy no but he's but he's another kind of like depth position at that depth player at that position the, or he could be on the other end but but um, it's that I think honestly and it's going to be the it'll be the hill I die on to the, the the hill I die on until this podcast is over we're, we're done recording episodes whenever that may be offensive line play will make a good team great and a bad team look even worse and it's spreading throughout you know, we thought they were going to be solid in the middle of the offensive line. Glasgow, Reisner, and Cush have struggled. They played against a few really good interior defensive line teams. But, you know, Quinton Williams made Reisner and Cush look like they shouldn't be in the league. Uh, and they're the same age, roughly. Uh, Graham Glasgow, Glasgow, you know, he hasn't been the leader on that offensive line. Honestly, Garrett Bowles is your best offensive lineman right now. He is. 72 has been the best offensive lineman so far. I mean, the right tackle position is just an absolute travesty as well because no one who knows what's going on there. But I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them still another leeway of the doubt because Christian Berry is a rookie third-round pick coming in, and that's that's a tough task to have him throw in there, especially leading the offensive line. That's, that's no easy task, but um, – Reznor should be better, and Glasgow needs to be better. I mean, the, the defenses we have played, though, have been really good. Uh, the Steelers defense, no joke. Jadavion Clowney in week one, no joke. Quintable, the Jets defense is trash, but they still have a pretty decent defensive line in Quinn Williams. I mean, there's, it, it's it's good tests that we're seeing thus far. Um, Cushion Berry is getting tested this early in his career, which I like because he hasn't made a lot of mistakes. He is is. Pass he's just getting physically been, dominated by guys like Vita Vea, yeah, who's his, a lot bigger. His, his pass rush, or his sorry, his pass blocking has not as been good, but he's been a, he's been pretty decently on the run game. So that's a, that's a positive you got to take with it. Um, now, 
I mean, I've been I've been harping on this, especially when we talk about Joe Burrow as well. And Andrew Locke is the be- is a quarterback's best friend. Is a good running game. If, if the Broncos are able to get a good run game like they were able to with Melvin G- Gordon on Thursday night, then it makes life a lot easier on Rippin too. And yeah. that, that that starts in the middle. I mean, uh, it does start in the middle, and I that's where I'm starting to question. I mean, yeah, Quinn Williams was a top five pick in the draft, but they don't. That that's all they have right now. Like you knew who they were going to have to stop you, and you couldn't can do anything about it. it. Like Steelers, I talked about it, Cameron Hayward or whoever. I can't remember that one guy's name. And then uh, Stephon Tuitt are, are difficult. Mm-hmm. TJ Watt, Bud Dupree. So you, you're spreading out. But, like, the Jets, the Jets are the quintessential team that you could slide your offensive line to because you're always going to be able to slide to where Quinn Williams is. Leave whoever's not blocking on Quinn Williams' side one-on-one, and, and you can do that kind of thing. It's easy to scheme up a team where you only have to focus on one part of the defensive line, and they weren't able to do that. So I don't have a lot of faith in them going forward. Uh, they get and lucky that, and play the Patriots and Dolphins, and those two teams don't have pass rushes. But then coming back against the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs game is going to be a lot uglier than people are expecting. Yeah, we're, we're very fortunate because we do have the Patriots on Sunday. and that Hopefully with Brian Hoyer. Hopefully with Brian Hoyer or Jared Slidham, and then we go play Dolphins after. So those are two winnable games. You can very easily get back to 3-3, three and three, I believe. Um, so it's not a bad spot the Broncos are in. That last that Thursday night game was a must win because, I mean, going on for, like I said, it's a death sentence. I think Fangio gets fired if they go on for. Yeah, that's a very good possibility. Or he's at least going to get fired if they, if the, they the, lose The again. thing about Fangio I, I'm going to give him credit for is he's not an offensive coach. This, that, this mostly the offensive problems, especially on the offensive line, rely on Mike Munchak and um, Pat Shermer. Shermer was not a good coach in the Giants. Munchak has, has been tossed around the league. He is a pretty good offensive line coach, but he's been focused too much on Bulls and not developing Reisner and Cushenberry, and mm-hmm. that's, that's going to hurt you. Yeah, and that's you know that's another reason to hate Garrett Bowles. I think the biggest thing is is that now he's he's finally started to put himself in a position where he can be good, and you start to see his potential, and you dis- declined his fifth year option, so he kind of screwed the team contract wise there. Um, they they have some good things moving forward. I think they get a couple more wins. I don't see him going thirteen and three. All you crazy ass Broncos fans out there on Twitter saying that they're not going to lose another game this season, you're high. Like yeah, we're, you're, we're, you're we're living not, up to the state's reputation. You're high. We're, we're not going thirteen and three, but in the in the place we are at, the only thing we need to get to is eight and eight to make the playoffs. And so that's what I'm focused on. And right now, getting two big wins against um, the Patriots, who are depleted, especially if they don't have Cam, and the Dolphins, who are bottom half of the league as well. Then you're back right at three and three, and then you're right back in the playoff mix. Do you think you're the second best team in your division? I still do. I don't think the Raiders are good. I think the Chargers showed a lot of promise, especially with Herbert, because Herbert's going to be a stud. But the Raiders are, besides the win to the Saints, I think it was more of a problem that the Saints were were just not there fully. I think the Raiders, I mean, the, the their def- they were not able to get the running game at all for the Raiders uh, on, against the Bills, and the Bills' defense hasn't been as good. Um, I think there's a lot of problems with the Raiders. Um, I think Carr is not reliable. I think obviously. Oh, I don't know. I, 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 the, the second best quarterback in the division probably is Justin Carr. Herbert. I mean, I, I Hubbard, Herbert's right there. Um, I'm only going to give it to Carr just because of his experience, but it's it, the Raiders' defense is nothing there either. So it's it's I don't I still think we're the second best team in the division. That, that's the thing though, because you're assuming. I mean, I don't think that you're going to steal one away from Kansas City. 
So in order to make the playoffs, I think it'll be it'll yeah. be a little bit different this year because of the extra spot. But normally you have to sweep at least one team in your division and split with everybody else. I think that's very easy. That can happen. I think that's very easy. You think that the Broncos will beat the Chiefs one game this week? No, I do not think that. This but year. I do think we can steal three out of four against the Chargers or Raiders. And okay, but I think that you have to sweep at least. I think you almost have to sweep both of them then to get because. Uh, I got to look up the AFC standings, but there's some other teams that are in tough divisions. Like the Steelers are going to have, I think the Steelers or Ravens are automatically one of the wild cards. Um, and then, you know, with the the Bills, maybe the Patriots, depending on how they finish the season. I mean, the Patriots have looked like they could make the playoffs. That, that's why these next two weeks are the most crucial part for the Broncos. If you're a, like I said, if you're able to beat the Patriots and beat the Dolphins, then you are you boosted your record against opponents outside your division. Then you only have to take three games out of four against the against the Chargers and the Raiders because you don't have to sweep both of them. If you can get second place in your division, there's a good shot at making the playoffs very easily. And taking three out of four against those two teams, I'm saying we lose to both games against the Chiefs, but winning three out of four against those two teams gets you right in playoff position. Uh, just looking at the standings now, the four division winners, if the season ended today, the Bills, the Chiefs, um, the Steelers, just because they have, a, they have the bye so they're still undefeated, and the Titans. And then in those divisions, I think the Patriots have the possibility of a wild card. I think the Ravens are a lock at wild card if the Steelers win that division. And then in the South, I would put probably, I, I mean, I'd put more money on the Colts making the playoffs than the Broncos at this point. I, I highly doubt that too. Rivers is, Rivers is throwing to people in different color jerseys still for the 18th year in his career, so I don't trust the Colts at all. They, they got lucky this past week and had to play the Bears, who fucking suck too, so they, they, I'm not worried about the Colts. It's, I think the only team I'm worried about beating out in the um, uh, wild card spot would be um, would be the, the uh, Browns, would be the um, the Ravens I'm already locking in, would be the Browns, would be the Patriots. Um, I'm saying Chargers. I think out of those three teams, that's you got to beat you got to be those three teams to get in the playoff spot. I'm not worried about the Dolphins. I'm not worried about your Bengals. I'm sorry, but I'm not, I'm not worried, worried about, about the Bengals either. I'm not I'm saying not worried about the Jets or the Dolphins. So I'm not arguing those three teams out. Yeah, no, I'm not arguing at all that the Bengals are going to make the playoffs. I'm arguing I think it's a lot – I think it's a farther stretch than people are giving it credit for the Broncos to make the playoffs. Uh, I, it, it could happen. They could turn something around. Maybe Drew Locke comes back and gives the, the team a shot in their arm and – and they go on a huge run. It has happened before, but it, honestly, looking at it completely objectively, because I have no dog in the fight. Like on a, right now, the I wish the Broncos were a little bit better, because then the games would be more entertaining, and it wouldn't be a mid-afternoon nap for me every week. But I mean, they could be they could be something special, but I think that that's a long way off. I still think that they they need a few more pieces before they do that. Transitioning now, but, but before we do that, I need to say one more thing. Okay. Fully healthy, this Broncos team is easily the second best team in the, in the division, one hundred percent. We 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 challenge the Chiefs a lot better. Fully healthy, and I'm just gonna leave it at that. Fully healthy with Von Miller, with Jarrell Casey, with Bouye, with Locke, with with Lindsey, with all of our best players back, and the fifty three million we have on the fucking injury injury reserve right now, and Sutton. We're, we're the second best team in the division. Uh, you're still gonna be eaten up by Chris Jones and Frank Clark. So I, uh, that's why I said second best. I didn't say, I didn't say we're the best. Okay. I said second best. That's yeah. I, I used to feel. I mean, it's been tough for me being that optimistic about my team in recent years. We did just you know 
half our win total from last season. The Cincinnati Bengals. We yep. didn't lose for two weeks in a row, and this time we even won. The, the one, the one thing I need to tell you though is Joe Burrow is your franchise. Yes, he, he is. The T man. Higgins too. Fucking make a statue right now for him outside that building because that man should never be touch a different uniform outside of the Bengals uniform. No, that man is your centerpiece for twenty fucking years. Give him whatever he wants to stay. Like any any amount of money back up the Brinks truck now. I, I say pay him after his first season. I don't care if it bankrupts the rest because I don't think that there's another quarterback who has the mental toughness to be able to turn a team like that around. But honestly, look at the three-headed monster offensively. Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon. We're going to talk about Joe Mixon later on in the episode too because he comes up in my my ending of the show segments. But like that was a that was the performance I've been expecting for a while. I thought, you know, after I, I obviously I wanted Marvin Lewis gone way bo- way before he ended up being. I thought after they lost the wild card in 2015, he should have been fired. It was I knew this was going to be a long process. Zach Taylor, I'm still on the fence about, but it, they had this talent. They've been showing this kind of stuff for through the first few weeks of the season, and they finally put it together, and they finally won a game. And it didn't have to be in December against. I mean, the Jaguars are a very bad team, but I do think Minshew has the ability to win some games. And Minshew versus Burrow ended up being a lot more interesting with quarterback matchup than people thought. No, Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow is the real deal. He is the best quarterback. I'm going to say this way too soon probably, but he will be the best quarterback the Bengals have ever had. And that's maybe, and that's that's probably going to go hand-in-hand with Ken Anderson. They, he Boomer, is going to yeah. be that, that great talent that the Bengals have been waiting on for so many years. Now get a defense. Mm-hmm. And now get a better offensive line. And now get him help. Yeah, he, he, flex, he fills so many holes. He... he Having a quarterback he allows makes bad you, receivers a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I would say it looks like a, an actual receiving threat. T. Higgins, in his now that he's finally starting to come into his own, that nine to eighty-five connection brings back so many great memories. Uh, and Tyler Boyd, I thought, has been a really good. How crazy is it that AJ Green's like the third best receiver on this team? Well, a- I, you definitely, AJ Green. I think you definitely now have to let him walk after this year. And definitely, if you are, especially in that top ten pick range, like we said, go out and get Jamar Chase from LSU. Go out and get get Burrow's yeah. favorite receiver at LSU and make your offense even that better. I know defense is a problem and offense line is a problem, but if you're able to get a receiver from mm-hmm. Joe Burrow that he's familiar with, that broke a ton of records at LSU with, you got to go. you got to go for it. Honestly, the defense, yeah, run defense could shore up a little bit. The Browns proved that. But I think if they get an explosive offensive weapon and then fill, like they have Jonah Williams at left tackle now who's going to be there for a while. I think they have a center. They just need to fill two more of those offensive line positions and then they can kind of struggle. Offensive weapon, two good offensive linemen to fill the holes that they need to. Let Billy Price go. He did yeah, you're often you're an Ohio State legend. You won a national championship. Sorry, you're not you're not cut out to play center in the NFL. But I think that they are closer now because Burrow has shown that he's the guy. Like they they gave him that C on his chest. I think a little bit prematurely, but he's shown that like it's he's going to be wearing that. It's that thing's never coming off of Joe Burrow. That, if you're going to buy a Joe Burrow jersey, make sure you have the C on there because that thing's never fucking leaving. No. Now I I, I think if. It, I mean, you could probably argue with me with this, but I think if I'm the Bengals, what you do now is now you 
draft Joe Burrow one more weapon, and then you get, you draft mainly defense, and then the offensive line you get you find a free agency. Yeah, I, I think that's the best way to go because you already have a young left tackle in Jonah Williams. You're already developing a few guys now. Go get um go get a go get a I I can't think of an O line on top of my head, but go get a veteran offensive lineman that can help lead that O line now. Yeah, I think that's probably the the right way to go. Um, do what the Broncos did when they when they knew they had Peyton for a little bit longer. Invest heavily in that defense because, especially in the AFC North, that's a defensive division. Mm-hmm. The Ravens, the Steelers, everybody knows that division is the tough, hard-nosed division, and everybody plays great defense. So invest in the defense. Make sure that they're not going to lose you games. Get another weapon. I think that you can you can draft a weapon early because there's still a lot that are going to be coming out. Jalen Waddle's going to be there from Alabama. He looks amazing. I would. Uh, I would drool if they were able to get him. Justin Jefferson, obviously, uh, not Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, obviously, for the LSU connection. That would be huge. But, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of athletes that they could pick up, and then they they just got to solidify some, some defensive positions. They have. Like, the linebackers that they drafted this past year are going to be good for them moving forward. They, they have Geno Atkins for a few more years. Got to get some pass rushers. They're in a better place than they than you can't really give me shit that they're that bad anymore. They're just gonna start putting the pieces together. No, there's there's a lot of great things that are gonna have for the Bengals. Um, so now before before we go on to anything else, uh, everything else football, we are gonna have a new segment after we talk about a little bit of baseball because baseball Wait, playoffs. We're almost about to forget it again. Most dominant. I know. Week. Yeah, before we get into the MLB, we're talk about most dominant team. But but after MLB, you'll hear our NFL pickums. We're gonna have a new segment along with our beats of the week. We're gonna start posting our pickums, and me and Jimmy are gonna go down each game and pick our winners. Yeah. Um, I I'm I'm in the works right now, possibly doing an unhinged uh, show where we have. Um, multiple personalities from all of our different podcasts and doing a Sunday morning show. Both Jimmy and I will more than likely be on that. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen this week, but it'll probably start with either next week or the week after. Um, so be on the lookout for that with all of our pickums. But um, for my for my most dominant team, I think it was it was pretty easy just because the offense was just outstanding and they then Tom Brady threw the ball to five different receivers and that was the Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers showed um, that they can easily win their division because that defense has a lot of great talent and Mike Evans is a stud. Oh my gosh. Mike, Mike Evans is, is, is the truth and he did that a lot injured. Like they, they were talking about it in the, the parts of the game that I was watching. He, he hurt and you could tell he was limping all over the field. They looked great. By the way, when we say most dominant, it's most dominant team of the week. Not the team yeah, that's not, the most dominant cumulatively, but it's looked the best. And we're doing this before Monday Night Football, which looking at it now, I mean, the, the Packers just went up 19-3 to at the end of the second second quarter. So they might end up having something to say about this. My most dominant team of the week, uh, Buffalo Bills. Because oh, yeah, Vegas, good. you know, they, they struggled the last two weeks against the Patriots and against the Bills. They are a little bit of a one-trick pony. If you can shut down the running game and then double-team Darren Waller, nobody else can really beat you Once until they get Henry Ruggs back. That's a whole other dimension to the offense. It's like last year with the Texans in the playoffs. If you don't have the guy who can stretch the defense, then you can just lock down your best receiver. But Josh Allen, 288 yards, two touchdowns. Only got sacked one time. Devin Singletary is a great running back. Everybody thought that he wasn't going to be anything. I think he's a third-round pick out of Iowa State. Hell of a player, and he's been making everything look good. Stefan Diggs, six receptions, 115 yards. Stefan Diggs is the perfect receiver to play with Josh Allen because 
He's like, it, I, re- I reference this movie a lot because it's one of my favorite football movies, but the replacements with Clifford Franklin. You just have him run and see if he can outrun Josh Allen's arm. And most of the time it doesn't. Most of the time it falls right in the breadbasket and they score or, or have huge plays. So oh, that, that, that was a great pick. The Bills are mm-hmm. unbelievable. 4-0 4-0. Um, Josh Allen is, is at an MVP level form. On my fantasy football teams, man, I have – one of my teams, I have both Lamar and Josh Allen, and I have to start Josh Allen. Yeah, like it, it's it's start Lamar as a flex. Yeah, start Lamar as a flex or running back at this point because Josh Allen has been that unbelievable, unreal, man. And he's that he's not throwing dumb interceptions. He's we, I, it's cool because we've seen him grow up, kind of in Colorado. We see a lot of Wyoming games, so we saw him a little bit in college. But then watching him throughout, like he came in the year that there was five first round quarterbacks. The people were saying it was going to be. The next 1983 draft class with Marino and Elway. Yeah. It ended up not being that. And then the guy who nobody thought was going to be great, Josh Allen, because he had he only played one season in college and he didn't have that much experience. He's from a small town and wasn't recruited right out of high school. He's come in and I think that he – I don't think he's the front runner for the MVP, but I think he's in the conversation right now. I think it's going to be him. It's him and Russ at this point are the top two. If you're, and if you're going to go one for each conference, Josh Allen's number one in the AFC. Russell Wilson's number one in the NFC. I'm gonna I'm gonna remind you of number fifteen for Kansas City real quick. He's not Josh Allen's not the number one quarterback in the I, AFC yet. I'm not still, the no, no. I think like right now for MVP, and I think I mean the the Chiefs haven't looked great in some games. They haven't looked great, but Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the AFC yeah. and the NFL. Yeah. I'll, I'll put Josh Allen maybe two or maybe three behind Lamar, right there with Lamar. So I'll, I'll give you that, but he's not the best quarterback in the AFC yet. Fine, fine. Stop <laughs> using my, my hyperbole. We can come back down to earth and stop living <laughs> in the fantasy world. Um, so now, um, so we, we talked about baseball a little bit last week. and We did talk about baseball. We talked about baseball for the, for the first time on our podcast history. Oh, man, what, 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 a, what a fun time. I mean, I've been watching a lot of baseball, and it's weird for me to say that because I, 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 I basketball is coming to an end and hockey was, is already done. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm trying to find things to watch during the week because mm-hmm. football is only on Sundays and or Saturdays and sometimes Thursdays and Mondays, whatever it may be. But I'm looking for those Wednesday or Thursday or Tuesday night games, and I'm throwing baseball on, man. It's, it's been great. Yeah. Um, There's been a lot of good games too. The, the most notable upset that we got to talk about are the Cubs falling apart to the tanking Marlins. See what happens when you beg for airtime on the podcast, oh all your buddies who are Cubs fans. Oh See gosh. what happens? You can't. You lose to the Marlins. Yeah, you lose to a team oh who doesn't even gosh. want to win. The Marlins, they're they're the they're the South Park team who just wants to go home. Like, we're gonna lose you so bad. No, you're not. Yeah, I had I had the Cubs in my or NLCS and they can't even beat the Marlins. So that's that's good. Yeah. Um, and then you're uh, I'm trying to think. You had another pick that that was kind of falling apart. On the oh, you had the uh, I um, thought that the Indians could beat the Yankees. Indians could beat the Yankees. Or the Yankees I had just a, dominated. It was one of the beats that I ended up going away from. Because I think they were plus 100 to win the wild card series. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, after the first game against the Yankees, I, Yankees I decided, no. Yeah, the Yankees, obviously, they have that pop. Chapman is playing. Um, so I, I was wrong about that last week. Having Heraldus Chapman in the playoffs is huge because you're facing 105 miles every night. If, if the Yankees get up on you, and trust me, the Yankees are going to get up on you with Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Gary Sanchez. DJ LeMahieu. DJ LeMahieu. Rocky Great. He, he, 
all these guys are getting on base and they're scoring runs, and then you got to face Aroldis Chapman in the ninth inning. It's not as bad as facing Mariano Rivera, and that's on. If you're wondering why a kid who's born and raised in Colorado is a Yankees fan, it was Mariano Rivera, Jorge Posada, and Derek Jeter. But it's the best that I've felt for a Yankees team when the closers coming in the ninth inning since Mariano Rivera, when Aroldis Chapman's giant Cuban ass, who definitely swam here the 90 miles, the Key West, uh, is. Dealing 105 mile an hour fastballs right past everybody. No, the Yankees are. It's on the back of DJ LeMahieu, the guy that everyone said he doesn't deserve all this money because he's playing at Coors Field and blah blah blah. He has been one of the best players in baseball, and he has brought that Yankees team. I mean, that team is is not carried off of him because there's so many great hitters, but he is leading that team, and he's the offense is starting with him. He's the glue, and he's the guy that he's like the table setter that they needed because all all they did. Before they got DJ, before the the Rockies, so stupidly Just let DJ LeMahieu go. Oh uh, when you had, I think, the best middle infield in baseball and third baseman with Arenado, Story, and LeMahieu. The best infield outside of first base in baseball. So that was dumb. But he's been the guy that's kind of like they had all power hitters, all four hitters, and he's the guy that, that mess him and Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner, we were talking about it last week, like. He's been a Yankee for so long, and he's been all he'll wear, he'll retire in pinstripes, but he's not given the respect that he deserves. He's been a leader on that team for a long time, and he's another guy who's going to get on base and allow these power hitters to just drive in runs. He's one of those guys when you look at the Yankees roster, like, wait, he's still on the team? Yeah. Like, it, it, it's crazy to think he's been doing this for so long. He's playing great, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the little man, he's probably on steroids, let's be honest. But he, that he, neck he, is something else. That's coming from a guy with no neck. Brett Gardner, <laughs> it's straight chin to chest. There's man. veins in his head popping out of his bald head. <laughs> it's the biggest man. Mandible, you know, like those mandible muscles since Marvelous Marvin Hagler. And he, he was he had like thighs in his head, and I think Brett Gardner has that same thing. I think he has the same neck issue that Peyton did, and they get the same kind of shipment of HGH. It was for Peyton's wife. I'm sorry. Sorry, yeah, uh, Broncos fans. But uh, other – I mean uh, – The Yankees right now are up 4-3 as we're, as we're talking about this against the Rays in, in the seventh inning. So that's, that's, that's going to be a fun series to watch. You picked the Rays to – um, go on to the um, World Series, I believe. So that's yeah. that's going to be fun to pick. I had the Yankees going on to the World Series. Um, the uh, sp- speaking or staying in the uh, American League, uh, the Astros absolutely dominated Oakland today, ten five. And oh my gosh, there was no trash can in sight, and this Yan- and this Astros team was hitting really well. No, I I I'll put my hand hand up. I jinxed the A's today because I tweeted about how. Well, I was kind of making fun of the MLB because, honestly, nobody knew that the game was even no on. Talks about it, it, it was like 2 o'clock, and, and the MLB has the worst social media presence of any professional sports league. So I was kind of just making the joke like, hey, the A's and the Astros are playing in the, NL, or the ALDS right now, and nobody knows, nobody gives a shit. And then, you know, the, the Astros, Altuve drove in a two-run single. Correa and, and two home runs. The A's didn't score another run. They were up 5-3 and ended up losing 10-5 today. So We do have some Houston fans on the Unhinged Network. The the ref, the ref, referee, the ref says, oh. is, a, is a Houston fan. So I know he's, he's probably loving this. But, we oh, my gosh, I, I can't stand watching the Astros do good. Um, I think the only bright spot about this, I told you about this, um, Jimmy, before we got, we got on air, but we um, 
the only good thing is if the Astros win out and go to the World Series, if they play the Dodgers in the World Series, that will be the most hyped up World Series I think I've ever seen. Because the amount of media on that, just because of all the history and everything that's happened, yeah. will be insane. Yeah, and that's right in the middle of like the playoffs where it's or for the NFL where it's kind of not really, and then there's not going to be anything else on too. Mm-hmm. So it, it that would be huge. ESPN is loving baseball right now. If they could get LA, New York as the World Series, mm-hmm. that's that's all they want. But then also the LA, Houston, you know, it's yeah. the same thing we were talking about with the NBA Finals. They wanted LeBron. And if the Nuggets made it, ESPN might not have even aired the finals because yeah. the MLB would ratings would skyrocket just because people want to see Joe Kelly against yeah. the Astros. But, um, but uh, it, either way, having the Dodgers, the Yankees in the World Series is going to help out a lot. What what if we end up getting an A's and a Padres World Series? It end up like the NHL where we have the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars, the two states who could care less about hockey. In the, I, the, in the only reason why I'm going to say that's a bad comparison is because Tampa Bay was dominant throughout the year, and although it's not a hockey town, they're a great team. Second, it's their second Stanley Cup, by the second, way. Yeah. They won um, in 2004. So they, they have a decent history, and they're a great team. The Padres kind of came out of nowhere and made all these moves, and now they're right at the front. If they able to overcome the Dodgers, that would be huge. That would be almost as big of an upset as the Nuggets beat the Clippers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that'd be fun to watch, and if the A's are able to beat the Astros, I think the world is going to be happy if that happens. I, yeah, I think nobody wanted the Astros in the playoffs, anyways. Uh, I, everybody, they got offered easy because they didn't have to start the season when they should have, and I think if they did, they would have got hit way more than they already did. They got thrown at quite a bit when the the season first came back. Much so training, especially. They already got off easy. Nobody got fined. Nobody like, give me back the trophy. No. Like it, that's the MLB handled this situation so poorly. It, it was it's a bad thing. I hope that they get bounced. I hope the A's come back and just destroy them. But I think if they make it to the the next series, the Rays or the Yankees both beat them. I don't think they make it to the World Series. Yeah, I think the Yankees are on a tear. We got to go back to the NL now. Uh, like we said, the Cubs just completely fall apart. Braves look like a team that they could make a deep run. My pick, my. Beats the week two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I picked the Braves to win the World Series, and right now it's looking way better because I think the Braves can beat the Marlins. Um, they just have to get through LA or San Diego now, which is going to be interesting to see. Where do you think that series goes between the Braves and Marlins? Um, I kind of want the Marlins. Just on the dark story. Yeah, just because they shouldn't be there. Uh, the, you wanted chaos in the M- NBA playoffs. I kind of want chaos in the MLB playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe re- reignite the sport a little bit. They got to do something. It sucks. Like I grew up playing baseball, so I am a baseball fan. But nobody becomes a baseball fan anymore. Mm-hmm. If you didn't play growing up, they have such a bad presence. Like I said, on social media and everywhere else, they they set everything up behind paywalls. They don't want you to enjoy the sport, and they don't want to keep up with anything else. So I think they something needs to happen where they kind of get their their world rocked, and then they can come back and maybe compete again and be America's pastime because that's what they are right now is a fucking pastime. Yeah, they they are not um, not what they used to be or what what they were. Um, I th- I think the the Braves have have a good shot at, at making a lot of noise. I think um, Acuna and Ozuna and and all, all the Una Duna whatever it may be like the Dominican all, Republic all the Dominican players on the Braves I think yeah. they're they're going to be a bunch of studs there and they've been playing great for um, 
the the Braves, and I think I still think the it's the Dodgers NL to lose. Uh, it's 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 tough to bet against Mookie Betts. Bet bet against Clayton Kershaw after he absolutely dominated yeah. um, game. I think it was game two. Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger is a stud. Like the Dodgers uh, are just on yeah, a tear. They got a lot of young guys. Talk about a team who developed their young talent with uh, Seaver too, mm-hmm. and having both those guys. And then Ryu, they have Ryu, right? Or is Ryu? yeah, Hinjin Ryu. Yeah, I believe he's the second. Or he he is their technically ace. Yeah. So they they got tons. Like a, they're set up. To, they should have won the last three World Series, but they're definitely set up to win this one. If they don't win it this year, then I don't want to hear anything else about 2017. Sorry, Dodgers fans. It's totally valid, and I think that it shouldn't count for the Astros, but if you don't make it happen this year, stop complaining. Yeah, you do have a – I wouldn't say it's an easier path just because the Padres are, have, are could be very dangerous, but you do have a better path now, especially with the Cubs out and the Astros possibly not being there and maybe possibly having to play the Rays in the World Series, that that should be a win for the Dodgers easily in my book. But if you have to play the Yankees, it's going to be tough. Yeah, so uh, that's baseball talk. We talked about baseball two weeks in a row. You guys are welcome. I'll probably continue for a little while yeah, now, especially yeah, yeah. if this is the last week of basketball. Uh, I mean, until free agency and, and, and the draft comes around and LaMelo Ball, I mean, we probably won't be talking about basketball much. It'll be mostly baseball, but... yeah. It, yeah, we'll have a lot of baseball to talk about. We also got to start talking about some college football too, because there's a lot of there's a lot of games it, this week. It's Spooktober, and you know what else happens at the end of Spooktober this year? The Big Ten comes back. This is true. So uh, yeah, we're gonna have a lot of stuff to continue on about. I do. I do. Before we get to the NFL pick, we do got to talk a little bit about the college football. I, the the one game that just caught my eye, um, that that is a huge game this week is I believe Clemson versus Miami. That's going to be an absolute. Nail buyer on, mm-hmm. on 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 Saturday, um, Miami. We we both had the opportunity to go to see Miami's facilities and see all the greatness that the U has had, and Clemson has has had some pretty cakewalk games to start the year. So I think I, I would love to see a Miami upset here. Uh, it's a pretty cakewalk division, honestly. The yeah. ACC is not what it once was. Clemson's favored by fourteen right now. I think that's a little bit steep. That's a bad I'm gonna have to take. <laughs> that's it's a little bit steep. I don't think that they're gonna beat Miami by fourteen points, but I do think that Clemson is so far past anybody else in the ACC. Uh, and Miami, you know, back in the heyday, they could step up when they needed to. They lost their clutch team. The swag is not there when they need it. I thought two years ago, I think it was two years ago when Miami played Clemson in the ACC championship. I thought they had a good chance to win it that year. And the way that they got dominated with that team, um, they, they have the extra. They have a good quarterback this year. Derek King is a good quarterback, transferred from Houston, uh, early, Heisman, early Heisman Trophy candidate. So they have that going for them. That's why I think it's not going to be a 14-point blowout, but I do think it'll be by at least a touchdown, maybe 10 points, so, something like that. I think yeah. Clemson will come away with the victory, especially it's in Death Valley. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I, I want chaos. I love, yeah. I love me some chaos. And then our Ole Miss is going to beat Alabama. I That's don't chaos. Know about that. I don't know about that one so much. That's a 20, I feel a lot more comfortable with Miami being Clemson than Ole Miss beating Alabama. That's a 24 point line. But and then the the big the big. Um, Big rivalry game as well on Saturday morning. Um, the the battle of the the we're back but we're not back schools. Oklahoma versus Texas. Oklahoma falls out of the top twenty five and Texas is now ranked twenty two. What could have been a top ten matchup two weeks ago is now a matchup where no one cares at all about. 
It's the Red River rivalry. Yeah. College football fans, this game is special just because of that, and it's in the Cotton Bowl, and it's split down the middle. If you play NCAA 14 and you play this game, it's half orange, half red. So it'll have that there. Spencer Rattler's fun to watch. He is fun to watch. The bad thing about Oklahoma is that their best defender got drafted last year, and now their defense sucks. Yeah, they've not been good. Getting up 37 points up. Iowa State, State. Jesus, and thirty-five to Kansas State. Kansas State doesn't score points. Yeah, I had I had the opportunity in college to go see Spencer Rattler play because I went to school out in Arizona, and he he went to high school down there at Pinnacle High School in um in 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 Scottsdale, and Mm -hmm. I went to one of his high school football games, and the dude was special. He did have some trouble in, in, in in high school, and. Um, he, he has, but he has the arm talent. Yeah. He looks like the next great Oklahoma quarterback. I don't know. He probably won't be as good as Baker and Kyler, but he ha- he has a lot of great um, parts about him that is going to make this team be as good as they were in the years past. But he's also not a transfer. This is the first guy that they've had in their system for longer than a year or two. Yeah, because Baker transferred, Kyler was a transfer. Uh, I think Lincoln Riley is a good quarterback coach. He's a great offensive coach. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the Big 12 just forgets that they're supposed to have a defense. Yeah. And, and the, the Big 12 literally has no defense, and the Big 10 is basically as hard-nosed defense as you can get. Big 10, is, Big Ten might be the best all-around football. I know people, people, and we have a lot, there's a lot of podcasts that are based in the South on this network, so this is probably going to catch me some heat. But I think the Big 10 football might be better than SEC football. All around, top to bottom, offense, defense. Ohio State, I think is be- I think Ohio State might win the SEC if, if they had to play in that conference. I think they might beat Alabama in the SEC and win that championship. Yeah, I just I have no idea, man. I don't know. I the SEC is so deep, man. I, Florida looks damn good now too. Yeah, I but mean, then I mean, like Big Ten. Uh, the Big Ten schools, they got Iowa, who's always in the top ten. Michigan State's tough. A lot of the times, Michigan, when they don't play Ohio State, beats a lot of teams. <laughs> they just can't beat. They can't beat the t- Wisconsin the down south. <laughs> yeah, Wisconsin's good. The Big Ten does have a lot of good teams. I think top to bottom, Big Ten is is better than SEC, but I think SEC is very top heavy. And you're forgetting about Auburn too. Like there's Georgia. I mean, SEC has so many good teams at the top. The bottom half is much worse because fucking A and M sucks. Yeah. And Missouri is terrible. And there's Kentucky. And they has uh, they're that, a basketball school. That was they're funny that you named the, the two schools that shouldn't even be in the SEC. The first they're, they're a basketball school. They're not a football yeah. school. So the the top to bottom Big Ten is better, but I still think Alabama gives the edge because they have the top, they're very top heavy. They're, and the top heavy gives them a big edge. Yeah, as long as we're in in, in the same feeling that the ACC would be absolute. ACC is not a Power Five conference without Clemson. They're, they're, they're top heavy, and and now they're top heavy. Yeah, one one, one, team. one heavy. I one, mean, North Carolina is pretty good, and they, and they got a good North Carolina's got a good young quarterback. But uh, I'm looking at the rankings now. Clemson's one, Alabama's two, Georgia three, Florida four, Notre Dame five. I think Notre Dame. I mean, yeah, they're they're, they're, they're in the not, ACC now, but Ohio State once they come back. That's going to be the interesting thing. That's like the, the the debate moving forward in college football is with the Big Ten not playing as many games as these other, other conferences. How do you justify a 7-0 and Ohio State team getting into the playoff over 
a Notre Dame team who might go ten and zero in the ACC. I don't. I'm not. I'm not completely positive on this, but what what Notre Dame's schedule is is they do have to play Notre or they do Notre Dame does have to play Clemson or Miami. I think I give the edge to both those teams. I don't think Notre Dame has the. I mean, they they're they're a notified program, but I don't think they have the talent to beat those two teams. No, I, mean, no. I don't. I don't see it on their schedules right now. But that's that's, that's that wasn't. I think that. Um... I don't think that Notre Dame is going to go undefeated, but I'm saying if yeah. in that world they do go undefeated, and then you got a Ohio State team who also goes undefeated, but since they started in late October, they only get eight games before the playoff selection. Mm-hmm. Does the seven and zero Ohio State team who went seven and zero in a shortened Big Ten season outweigh a Notre Dame team who went undefeated in an ACC season? I, I, I do think so because um, the top four people got got to remember. I think. There's only going to be one SEC team just because they all kick the shit out of each other, and there's only going to be one. Whoever was the SEC champion will be in the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the problem with having a having a Final Four and not a Final Eight is that you only get one SEC team because you obviously will have Clemson there because they'll roll through the ACC unless they lose Miami, which who knows what's going to happen there. But you'll have you'll have Clemson, you'll have Alabama, Georgia, or Florida fighting for one position because mm-hmm. all three of them won't be there at the end of the year. Um, then you'll one 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 will go to the Big Ten. It, it's more than likely going to be Ohio State, and then that fourth team, Pac-12, is get, coming back to you. But I highly doubt they'll ever get them there. So they're so I think Notre Dame is more battling for that fourth spot with another SEC team. In yeah. my opinion. and I think this is a, this is the year for a Group of Five team to make it into the playoff. If only Mackenzie Milton was on that huge run this year. Because now they would have a legitimate shot and an actual stake. Like, they're not national champions. I'm sorry. That was a great team, and I'm glad that you guys beat Auburn because I was rooting for you in that one. Um, and, I, and I hope Mackenzie Milton is able to come back and play because I think he's getting towards making that kind of progress. That was a, a bad injury. But uh, college football, early, it's still early. Once Big Ten football gets back, it'll kind of feel like it's all the way back. We're going to keep up with that. Uh, but let's get into the NFL pickup. I think we're. I think I'm ready Ready for you're ready, this. You're ready to rattle off a bunch of ones? Okay, let's Yeah, let's. It's, it's going to be a lot of football, um, but there's a lot of football coming there's up. There's a lot this. of football coming up. All right, so let, let's start Thursday night. We have the uh, Chicago Bears against the Tam- or at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I think this is this is a pretty easy pick but I'll let you, I'll let you start. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, we tweeted it out. The Bears are an imposter. Of the, the, of the imposter. 3-0 teams last week, last week and now the 3-1 teams, they are the imposter. The Buccaneers are slowly getting themselves together. They still got some kinks to work out offensively, but Levante David is a stud linebacker. Devin White is a stud. Vita Vea, that defense is good enough. And Antoine Winfield Jr., who is a rookie, is probably top five safety in the league right now. Their defense is going to be – it's the same same thing when they won their other Super Bowl. Their defense is going to keep them close, and then at some point their offense is going to click. And once Tom Brady gets that offense to click – by the way, he threw five touchdowns. So I'm saying that their offense hasn't clicked, and he threw five touchdowns to, so I think, five different receivers. This is going to be a, a huge team. Granted, they did lose O.J. Howard. So I'm picking the Buccaneers. They did lose O.J. Howard, but they got Gronk and Cameron Brait behind them. So it's a, it's a spoil of riches over there. I would love to see the spread on this game because I think it's just going to be absolutely ridiculous. Five and much. a half. Five and a half only? Tampa Bay, five and a half. Five but and it's half. because they're going to – I think it's because they're going to Chicago. Yeah, that that might be because normally yeah. you get three and a half as the home team. That's true. So yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna go with the Bucks too. Brady put on an absolute fucking stellar week last week, and 
OJ Howard being around, yeah, that's going to hurt them. But I think they might get Chris Godwin back this week. Um, Ronald Mike, Jones looked good. Ronald Jones the looked good. You still have Fournette behind him as well. That offense has so many weapons. Mike Evans. If, if the Bears, if the Bears win out Thursday night, I would be just as surprised as everyone else. But you're going to have to have a big game from Nick Foles for the Bears to have a chance. Yeah, somebody's going to tell Nick Foles that he's not starting. Tell him yeah. that he's the backup tell him he's quarterback. The backup. <laughs> Where you have any sort of chance at all. Somebody go break Mitch's leg and say, when Mitch heals, you're no longer the starter. And then, you know, sorry, Mitch Trubisky, but maybe the Bears would win more than eight games in a season that that's, way. That's, that's Big Dick Nick is no no longer a thing. Uh, next game. Uh, uh, so, yeah, next game I have, I have the Panthers and the Falcons. Um, battle of the battle of the the birds or the, the animals. I don't, I don't know. It's, the it's lower, like, level lower level. Lower level. NFC South teams. NFC South division teams. Uh, Panthers, I don't. I believe they don't have Christian McCaffrey back. No. Nope. And the Falcons have just been falling apart every single week. Twenty-eight oh to three. Twenty-five to ten. They just find a new way to lose. I, I, we, we, we did say this about coaches that should be fired, but Dan Quinn is right there too. He, he's on the yeah. verge right there of losing his job. How Dan Quinn still has a job at this point is amazing. He. I don't know if it's a good on him kind of thing or a bad on the organization, but. Uh, he hasn't that that whole team hasn't been right since the, the Super Bowl collapse, and it's not getting any better. And they're getting dominated as we speak right now by the Packers as well. So I think I'm I'm going to go with the Panthers. Bridgewater did look decent last week. Um, that defense could be iffy. Um, I think if they're able to get the ball, if, if Teddy is able to get the ball rolling, I think I'm going to pick Panthers in that game. I'm going to go with the Falcons. Uh, Julio Jones is playing today, so that's huge having him. But also they have. That's the thing. Their offense has 11 first-round picks. So they are very talented. <laughs> Hayden Hurst, Calvin Ridley, Todd Gurley, and Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. And they have Austin Hooper at tight end. So I think that their offense is good, and I think they'll finally be able to put it together enough to beat a struggling Panthers team. I don't think Matt Rule is – I don't. I think he'll be good at some point, but I don't think he's an NFL coach yet. I think that the Falcons' offense is good enough that they'll steal a game from Carolina, so I'm taking the Falcons. Yeah, and then also f- former uh, Cherry Creek High School uh, standout, uh, Jane Graham, is also on the Falcons, so hope, maybe give some love there. Hopefully they win. Next game, Titans are coming back after um, having a quote-unquote bye week where they test positive and they, they uh, didn't have a game this past you week. You dirty bastards. And, and they're they're hosting the Buffalo Bills. No one circles a wagon like the Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. How, 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 do you, how do you see that game going? Ah, uh, this is an interesting one because the Titans are going to be rested, but the Bills are on a heater. And, and oh, man. They are hot. The wagon is red hot right now. Yeah, they don't have the lineup for this game yet. But I would say that the Titans are probably favored by pro- around five to six points, mm-hmm. and that's it's, that would be a line that I would I would bet on heavily. Tractor Cito likes to come alive in October, so I think we're going to start seeing the run left and and Tractor Cito get going a little bit. Ryan Tannehill's look really good, and AJ Brown and uh, who's their other eighty four Davis Corey Davis has been really Corey good and, for and the Titans. So I'm I'm taking the Titans. I don't think the Bills. Were, I didn't think the Bills were going to go sixteen and zero. I think this is one of the games 
where they're going to lose, but I don't think that they're. I still think that they're the best team in the AFC East. I love me some Titans football. I love Will Compton. I love Taylor Lewan, but nobody circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills, baby. And Josh Allen is on an absolute tear, and he's going to continue that because he's going to lead my fantasy football team. I love this over three fucking fucking start. Oh. So hopefully oh, we hadn't we hadn't talked about fantasy. Okay. Nico. So he didn't lead my that. team out of this horrendous start. So I'm taking the Bills to, t- to beat the Titans. Uh, next game we got we have Battle of the. AFC West, we have Raiders go, going to Kansas City and playing the Chiefs. Yeah, this will be – this is this is the first – I think this first division game in the – no, because the, the Chiefs played the, the Chargers. Chargers yeah. This will be a test to see where the Raiders actually are. Because if they are what people think – there's a lot of people that think that the, the Las Vegas Raiders are the second the second team best team in this division. Uh, so this will be a test to, to see where they are in that. But I also think this is a test for the Chiefs because they really haven't been dominating like they should have the last couple of weeks. They ended up getting a win tonight over the Patriots, but it wasn't as much it wasn't as much of a blowout as I thought it should be. So this will be an, an, an interesting game. But since it's at Arrowhead, I'm going to give it to the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs will beat the Raiders. At yeah, home. I'm picking Chiefs by fucking forty. I don't. I don't think the Raiders can fucking slow down or Patrick Mahomes and 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 crew, especially Travis Kelsey as well. I think um, the one thing that. Uh, Belichick showed to to help beat the beat the Raiders is that you got to slow down Darren Waller. The Bills did a decent job of that. If you're able to do that, yeah, um, and I think Tyron Matthew will be able to match up with Darren Waller. Exactly. So I think the Chiefs the Chiefs have a good great great shot at fucking beating the over by a lot. And so I'm definitely taking that bet. Um, so next next game we have the Arizona Cardinals going to the J E T. We still suck Jets. Um, who, who do you got in that game? <laughs> Ah, uh, this. I mean, the Cardinals started out hot. People thought they were the dark horse. Uh, came back down to earth, though. So I think that Kyle Murray is going to outduel Sam Darnold. But this is going to be one of those bad. It's going to be as bad as Thursday night was, and it's on the sticky turf. So we might end up having a few more key Worst injuries. Turf in the NFL. Everybody wrap Kyler Murray in bubble wrap. Nobody touch Kyler Murray. He gets to run out of bounds after every play and don't touch DeAndre Hopkins. Double wrap and triple wrap their ankles. And oh, and, and David Johnson can't show up because if he's anywhere near that turf, he's going to blow an ACL. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think Cardinals um, going to easily cover against the Jets. The Jets, unless Stan Darnold has an incredible game, I don't think the Jets have a chance in this game. I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to go off. Do you think they cover and then the under hits? Because the over-under is at 47.5, and, and these offenses oh, I still, are... I still think the over hits. I think, I don't know, it, it's tough taking the under in football because it's, it's... The 40s, the 40s are, are the ones where you can kind of make your money, but it is difficult. It's they, very, they very difficult. rarely. If, if I were a betting man, I would bet more on the Jets losing and and parlay that with Adam Gase getting fired. <laughs> Adam Gase and both of them parlay. Is that a parlay? Both of them parlay together. Adam Gase getting fired, that's what the game, and the Cardinals winning. That's what I'm parlaying together. The Jets lose, and Adam Gase isn't allowed back in the locker room. <laughs> he, he's locked out of the facility like they locked Jamal Adams out of the facility too. The, years ago the Jets lose and then Joe Namath sacrifices him at midfield to break the curse <laughs> so that that way the Jets can win a Super Bowl again because you know Joe Namath cursed the Jets uh yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be I'm not gonna watch that one. Oh, I'm definitely not watching that game I'll, I'll catch the highlights maybe two years down the line I think the, the only road. thing that, that will keep me interested is I do have um I do have uh, Jameson Crowder on one of my benches just because I picked him up because after watching him do that on Thursday night I was like yeah 
He's the only option they have, so I'll pick him up on my bench. So maybe he gives me some bench points, or maybe I have to start him because there's another injury or something. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but so next game we have a uh, battle of two teams that are on completely different ends of the spectrum. No, no, they're both number one in the division. That's true. We have the Eagles and the Steelers. The Eagles are one, two, and one. I'll, I'll, we we were we were chirping at Doug, or Doug Peterson yeah. for tying the game, but they're ahead of the division because of the tie. So, who do you got in that game? That's probably, I mean, you probably could care less about this game. You hate the Steelers. Oh, the Eagles are going to win. The Eagles are going to win. I never picked the Steelers. Fuck the Steelers. <laughs> uh, How the hell do you pick the Eagles to win this game? Carson Wentz. He's all the way, baby. And then we're going to see Jalen Hurts come in, and Jalen Hurts is going to lead a second half comeback. Uh, this is, yeah, it's Go, go Eagles! God, no, I'm taking the Steelers very easily. There's fly, no, Eagles, there, fly! There's not a chance that the, the Eagles... E- I mean, I'm definitely saying this. The Eagles are going to have the best game of their lives. And and uh, um, who's, their, or who's their receiver they just drafted? Um, the Eagles? Uh, I didn't know they drafted a receiver. They drafted a receiver the first round. They've been playing with guys from like the Mini Mart and off the airport run racks. I feel so bad for Carson Wentz. He just needs Nick Foles to back him up so they can win games, hopefully. Um, So, yeah, I'm picking the Steelers. Jimmy going with the Eagles because you just absolutely can't stand the Steelers. I can't pick the Steelers, yeah. Um, So now we have the Los Angeles Rams against the Washington football team. (laughs) No-named. Washington no-names. Another game that I probably definitely won't be watching. Um, Yeah. This one will be bad because the Rams play to the level of their competition. They do play to the level. Because if you watch, if you look at the Rams game last week against the Giants, they only won seventeen to nine, and we That's all know sad. how bad the Giants are. So if the Rams are supposed to be a juggernaut and a Super Bowl contender and have one of the best coaches in the league, why was that game so close? And why do I not have confidence that they are going to? Cover the spread. I don't know. It's against a team that doesn't have their first round pick. I think Chase Young is still hurt. Have have a team name. Yeah, they don't have a team name. Their coach is getting like God bless Ron Rivera, and I hope that he he is able to recover. But like they are in shambles organizationally. Ron Rivera is doing chemotherapy in between games and practices. Like they have so much going on, but I still don't feel confident that the Rams are going to be able to do what they should and take care of business. I, I I think that they will win, but it's going to be an ugly game, and I think that this shows that the Rams are not what we what they once were, and they're not a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, Ron Rivera is basically the sole reason why the, the football team is somewhat competitive. I mean, they're 1-3. and three. They have a better record than most teams, but they're only winning going against that the damn Eagles. That damn tie, otherwise they're still number one in that division. So one of the division, so it's 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 weird. It's a weird game. I picked the Rams. You said Rams as well. Yeah, I'm picking the Rams, but it's going to be close. I I don't think that the Rams they're favored by nine. I don't think that. I think the yeah. I think Aaron Redskins beat that. Yeah, that defensive defensive edge and the O line there for um, oh yeah the football Aaron, team or not. Shout not out to Dwayne Haskins because I played with Dwayne Haskins in USA football, but he's going to have a rough day. He's going to be picking lots of grass yeah. out of his face mask because. That offensive line is nowhere near good enough to stop Aaron Donald. Poor guys, probably gonna have a tough year. They're gonna draft the quarterback in the first round next year, and it's gonna be a tough career for him. But yeah, next game after that, we have your Cincinnati Bengals led by Joe Moneyborough against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, um, you know I was gonna pick the Ravens, but then did you hear about the story where Joe Burrow he he accepted the game ball, and you know what he did with that game ball? 
Put it right back in the ball bag. Okay. I like he doesn't. I'm, I'm bullshitting. The Ravens are going to win this game. <laughs> but I think I hope that the Bengals still take a step forward in their offensive pro- progression because they're getting to a good place. Keep, keep Joe Burrow upright. Don't let him get sacked any more than he has to because I really don't need him to lose years. on. I don't need him being a David Carr. I do not need him being a David Carr. Yeah. Uh, for you old school fans, look up David Carr and watch him as a Houston Texan. Get absolutely lit up from every single angle that you could possibly be sacked from. Don't let that happen, but I, I think that they... I don't know if they cover, but I think that they'll score more points on the Ravens than people think. Yeah, I do think so too. I'm, I'm the the one the one uh, deadly person that the the Ravens do have. People are forgetting about is Trace McSorley, baby. Yeah, if you if you follow if you he's been uh, trending on social trending media, trending on Twitter, trending on TikTok, uh, TikTok, whatever it be. I mean, he's a difference maker. He makes Lamar Jackson be Lamar Jackson. Let's be honest here. Lamar Jackson's uh, only as good as he is because he knows Trace McSorley is tr- chasing his job. Robert Griffin the third. Who? It's Trace McSorley's team, baby. Throw Lamar at running back, but no. Baker Mayfield light. <laughs> Diet Baker Mayfield. That's your. This is your team. <laughs> So uh, all jokes aside, I'm picking the Bengals. What? Oh, yeah, I just picked the Bengals. Yeah, all jokes aside, yep, I did just say I'm picking the Bengals. Fuck it. I think the Ravens are, are going to lose one game that's just an absolute rubbish game, and they have not been playing as good as they were, and I think the Bengals pull off an upset. Why not? I'm picking your Bengals. Not, you're not even picking your Bengals. I'm saying why not? Yeah. Joe Burrow is going to have the, have the field day. He is going to have the best game of his young career, and we're going to be talking about this because this is going to be your he's going to be your player of the week next week. That's what I'm picking. I thought that they were going to beat the Ravens one time this year, but I thought it was going to be when they played them at home. Oh. Play Beating them at M&T Bank is going to be something. But if that happens, I'll be a happy camper. And you know, I might even I might even celebrate on the podcast with you guys because <laughs> that'll be amazing. But short of them winning a playoff game, that might be the best oh, thing I that happens. I, I love to see Joe Burrow do good. I know you're a Bengals fan, but I'm just, I'm a Joe Burrow fan, and the dude, anytime he plays well, I just love watching it. So and um, he looks like every '80s movie villain ever. He looks like Ra- yep, exactly. And if the Ravens don't start Chase McSorley, automatic loss. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like he he should be fighting Johnny for the head of Cobra Kai. Is what Joe Burrow looks like. Next game, AFC South. Bad game. Very, very, very bad game. <laughs> bad game. 0-4 versus 1-3. Gardner Minshew versus Deshaun Watson. Are, are the Jacks 1-3? I thought they were 2-0 at one point. The, they were 1-0. They won okay, the okay. first game. They beat the Colts, which okay. is going to be the Colts what-the-fuck game. Like, you think the Ravens are going to have the what-the-fuck game? The Colts what-the-fuck game is losing to the Jaguars and kind of getting dominated by Gardner Minshew. They got dominated by Uncle Rico. Yeah. Uncle Rico threw the ball over the mountains and beat them. Uh, I think that this is a get-right game for Houston, and I think that they're going to want to prove that they aren't as bad as they've shown. They want to prove, like, this is the this if they come out and destroy the Jaguars, then they can say, you know what, we got screwed by a tough schedule. We're really not that bad. We're right there. Once again, we just got to get the right coach and the right general manager. I, I hope the Texans are able to get back. I think... I love watching J.J. Watt play football, and I love watching Deshaun Watson as well at quarterback, and it's they've been dealt a tough hand, but why not? I'm picking the Jags, baby. I mean, it's probably a terrible pick. Are you, are you doing all dogs? What are, what I'm not going all dogs, but I'm picking the Jags. Gardner Mitchell is going to have a great game. The Texas defense is going to be in shambles. Or not the defense, sorry. Their, their whole team is going to be in shambles because they just – Got rid of their coach middle of the week, and it's a whole bad problem. I mean, I'm not sure what the record is based upon 
teams that just fired their coach the following week, but I can guess it's probably not very good. Yeah. So I'm going up on history side and I'm picking the Jags. Yeah, the only wild card there is that you're not sure what you're going to get from the coaching staff that kind of takes over. Mm-hmm. How much was Bill Bryan influencing Bill O'Brien influencing what the Texans were doing on offense and defense? So mm-hmm. That's the one wild card that I think I could see there. I don't see the Jaguars beating the Texans. I think this is a game that the Texans finally get right at, but we'll see. It's not, a, it's not like I don't think that it could happen. Yeah, maybe Uncle Rico has some tricks up his sleeve. So next game we have uh, the Miami Dolphins, led by the best beard in the NFL, Ryan Fitzpatrick, against the 49ers, who are literally as banged up as the Broncos. So who do you have in that game? This is this is probably going to be another tr- crapshoot who's going to win this game because 49ers have so many injuries again. I'm, I'm putting a lot into this game because I think this is what's going to start to the move to get Tua on the field. I think the 49ers... Uh, I don't think Nick Mullins is going to start. I think that they're going to go with C.J. Beathard because he had such a good end to the game the other night. And Nick Mullins obviously cost them with that dumb. That was, that was as bad of a pick six as ripping through uh, last night with uh, Nick Mullins. But this, I think this is going to be the game where the 49ers come out. Fitzpatrick, you know, he's not a starter in this league. He's a journeyman backup at best. Does have the best beard. Look, Does not... If I told you Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard and you didn't know, you would not believe me. Yeah. That's the thing about it. He's a great guy, but I think this is the start where we start to see Tua move into the start. So you're picking the Dolphins here? No, I'm picking the 49ers. Okay. I think that the Dolphins lose this game badly, and then Tua starts either next week or maybe against the Broncos. Yeah, I, I do. I, I agree there. I, I mean, I, they, the Broncos just came out and said that their next home game Sunday, they're allowing six thousand fans in the stands. So there's a good shot I probably will be in that at that game. So I would love to see Tua play, and I think that will start this week. 49ers team, even even as badly banged up as they are, they're still more talented. George Kittle is the best tight end in football for a reason. Yeah, I mean, was, they have a three headed monster at running back when when um. And McKinnon has well, been McKinnon's, a workhorse. He's kind of taking lead. And they and if they're able to get uh. Oh, what's the name? I mean, Brandon Ayuk had that huge Ayuk play yesterday play. with the hurdle. Um, on, oh, Moster, they only yeah. got back. Like the Four Niners have so many great talent on that team. There's a reason. And why Jimmy G's simple. he's not out for the season. He will come back at some point. So they will have their quarterback. I think I say I put that in quotes if you're watching because I don't think that um, everybody has faith in Jimmy G except for Kyle Shanahan for whatever reason. But the, this will be – he's going to be coming back. So the 49ers situation will get better. And the Cardinals aren't as good as I thought they were going to be. So that division kind of eases up a little bit too. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's another toss-up. I'm, I'm definitely going 49ers though. Um, Beathard, I think, will be the quarterback, especially because he has a relationship with Kittle. And, I mean, if, if your quarterback is very familiar with your best, best player right now, it's, it makes the offense go a lot smoother. Um, very easily. But for the next game, we have the um, what is it? Colts we have the Colts going to the Cleveland Browns. I, I, Colts and Browns are coming into this game both three and one, which is very very surprising. It's the first time that the Browns have been three and one like five years, something I, like it's that. It's been a very long time since the Browns were three and one. So uh, Indianapolis is favored by two and a half. Makes sense. They're going to Cleveland. Uh, I said that I think. The Colts are probably the second best team, or maybe the best team in the South. 
mm-hmm. and they are competing for a wild card spot. But I agree with you. I don't think I think Philip Rivers has a lot of hype, mm-hmm. and I think that he's well past when he should have hung it up. I think he's trying to make sure that kid nine and ten have free college with his NFL pension. Mm-hmm. But I think that the Browns, and it's scary to say this because as soon as we start saying that the Browns are going to be better, they're going to do something and absolutely fuck everything up and blow up all chest, all the they blew, they'll blow up all the progress that they've made. But Kevin Stefanski seems to understand that the identity of this Cleveland Browns football team is very much like the identity of the city: punch you in the mouth run the ball, nothing fancy, and then bootlegs off of it because Baker's not a guy where he could sit back with his feet set and make throws, but he can make throws in a moving pocket. And have you seen that handoff? That, that handoff has, has given the ball to the franchise longest rushing touchdown in Nick Chubb. Yeah. Got to get Nick Chubb back. That's going to be the thing. I think the Colts are going to beat the Browns, but only because Nick Chubb might not play, and that's a huge X factor in the Browns' offense. The, the Browns surprised the world last week by absolutely going in, dominating the Cowboys, going into Jerry's world, and just putting it on that Cowboys' defense. I, I thought, honestly, Mike McCarthy could have got fired after that. That's, that's very true. Probably first-year quarterback, or coach, sorry. That probably won't happen, but that was a very – I was watching that game just losing my mind because um, between OBJ, Jarvis Landry, and Chubb, the, the – Brown's offense looked like one of the best in the league. It, it, it's crazy to think that they have so much talent. Now Baker just needs to put it all together. Oh, <coughs> excuse me. But, but Phillip Rivers, is, is he's going to be throwing to different colored jerseys again every single week, and especially Browns are at home. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the Browns. I think this is probably the fir- one of the first times in their history they'll ever be 4-1. So that would be, that'd be, that'd be fun to talk about. Maybe we got to start talking about them and be – being the second best team in your division, who knows? No, I, they gotta fill some holes on defense because they've lost some key players. Yeah. And Miles Garrett's really good, but Miles Garrett's the only guy on that defense. Denzel yeah. Ward, but he's a cornerback. Yeah. You can't have a dominant okay. defensive end and a cornerback unless you have another Miles Garrett who can throw a helmet at a quarterback. You're you're uh, you're nitpicking there on the Browns defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking the Browns. I stood up for Mason Rudolph, by the way, after that last year. I stood up for him, even though I can't stand the Steelers. That that was wrong. Uh, speaking of the Cowboys, they're the next game, and wow, this NFC beast is is bad because it's, very, very it's bad. the zero and four Giants going to Dallas to take on the one and three Cowboys. Dallas is favored by nine. I that doesn't surprise me at all. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think the Cowboys had a very very tough game last week, and they just. I mean, the Browns knew exactly what to do. The Chargers don't have, or sorry, not the Chargers, the Giants don't have Saquon there. and Their running game isn't as good. They don't have the weapons. I, I think they'll easily cover that, if I'm being honest. Between Zeke and CeeDee Lamb and, and uh, Amari Cooper, that, that Cal- the Cowboys offense looks great, looks fantastic. Now, the only thing you need to do is get some sort of fucking defense. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think Daniel Jones will be able to dice up this defense. I don't think uh, it's going to be a nine-point I don't think it's going to be a nine-point game. I think it's going to be like, I think this is going to be a shootout. It has the feeling of a shootout to me. I think this is going to be one where they light up the scoreboard. That's a big-ass scoreboard, uh, and, and it's going to be let's go. Who has the ball last and, and try and try and win this thing? Yeah, oh, it's it's hard for me to pick against the Cowboys after watching Dak Prescott throw for five hundred yards, and they literally should have killed the Browns if their defense wasn't pay as shitty as they were. Pay Dak his money, by the way. Pay God Dak damn. his money, no. or if he doesn't, the Broncos should pick him up. Yeah, honestly, that'd be I, I'd love to see. I never really thought about that until now, but that'd be fun to that's, see. Man. He was supposed to be the Broncos' quarterback, but they decided not to pursue him because he missed his meeting. 
And then they dra- they drafted Paxton Lynch, who was also that was Jerry Jones. We're not saying that name on this podcast again. I'm sorry, Broncos fans. That was that was Jerry Jones's guy. Jerry Jones wanted uh, Fortnite. Yeah, we're not we're not we're not. I'll call him Fortnite. Fortnite. We'll call Bulls seventy two. The pirate, the terror, the shitty pirate, the pirate, the shitty pirate. The Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Yeah. One is a pirate. They really, I think Cowboys win this game. The offensive firepower is just going to outweigh the Cowboys or the Giants, and the Giants won't be able to get as much going offensively. So I'm picking the Cowboys. You said pick the Cowboys as well? Yeah, I picked the Cowboys. Um, for, the ne- for the next game, we have the Denver Broncos at the New England Patriots. I'm going with the Patriots. It's in Foxborough. Broncos don't play well in Foxborough. Yeah. Uh, and if Cam plays, it's, it's a lock. It's a no-brainer. But... If Stidham or Hoyer plays, I think we get treated to another game like they had on Thursday night, and it's going to be which backup quarterback makes the least amount of mistakes. That's and I, I have my money on the Patriots backup quarterback making the least amount of mistakes because I trust Bill Belichick and the Patriots coaching system and coaching staff way more than I trust the Broncos coaching staff. And that's it, they've developed their dynasty the last 20 years. That, that can't be slept down. So I, I think the Patriots beat the Broncos. Yeah, we, we were we were spoiled a few like five years ago for, for a very long time getting Peyton versus Tom Brady in these matchups and now we're gonna have to deal with Brett Rippon against Brian probably gonna Boyer be Stidham. Probably Stidham. gonna be Stidham. I mean unless Cam's able to get healthy and get some negative tests. I, I mean I hate the downfall um to say someone shouldn't be playing, but I really want him to get healthy. Hopefully he comes back, but if the Broncos are going to win this game, it's going to have to be against Stidham, unless Bradley Chubb is able to pull Vaughn Miller against, um, like he did against Cam in the Super Bowl. So I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with the Broncos because this is this is going to be a big game if Rippon can get another win here and then get locked back against the Dolphins. We're right back at 500, so we're right back on track. So I'm picking the Broncos. Quickly, we'll go through Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football. Sunday Night uh, Vikings at the Seahawks. Is this the week the, the dam finally breaks? Because the Seahawks have had really close games all the way through the season. I know they're letting Russ cook, but, I mean, it can only you can only win so many close games. So, yeah, so not, many not a chance the Vikings have, have, have any shot at this. The, the, Mike Zimmer hasn't been a good coach outside of his smoking hot girlfriend. The Vikings have nothing going for them. So Seahawks by, by 10, I'm guessing. I'm going to take Seahawks. I, I have a soft spot for Zimmer because he used to be a assistant. He was the defense coordinator for the Bengals when they made their last playoff run. Uh, so I want him to be successful. I think this is one where maybe the Seahawks slip up because Pete Carroll's team sometimes get complacent. And, and his atmosphere kind of allows for that sometimes. That's why DK had that fumble uh, and the touch, touchback a couple weeks ago. I think this is one where they kind of get woken up, re reawakened again, and then for the rest of the season it's going to be just a tear. I think this is just a minor hiccup in the road. I'm taking the Vikings. I'll take the Vikings. Okay, that's that's surprising. And then Monday night we have the Los Angeles Chargers going into um, the Superdome and New Orleans are playing the Saints. Yeah, and we still don't know if Drew Brees is bad or not because they, they played the Lions. It could have just been that the Lions' defense is is as god awful as we think it is, and you know I I think Herbert has been close, but he's been physically outmatched by the quarterbacks that he's played. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady with the five touchdowns. I think this is a time where he's going to be the physically dominant quarterback, and it's going to be a mental battle to see who makes the least amount of mistakes. Herbert hasn't really made like too many bad plays 
in relief for the Chargers. I mean, the, the worst thing that the Chargers have had for the, for them, Austin Eckler, shout out Austin Eckler. I played with him in college. He ended up getting hurt with his hamstring. But, like, the only other bad thing that the Chargers had this year was their doctors puncturing Tyrod Taylor's lung. That, that's, like, the two losses that they really that's have. That's one of the best things that happened to them, for being honest. Justin Herbert has been a real surprise. I gave him a lot of shit last year because he ruined the Pac-12's chances of being in the – in the college football playoff by losing to Arizona State and then beating Utah yeah. fucking everything up. But uh, he's been way better than I thought he was going to be. I think that the Saints win. I do think that it, I, I see a possibility of Herbert kind of taking the next step, though. Yeah, so. I do think Herbert's going to take the next step. I think Herbert has a, has had a tough two weeks. He, he's had to face both the Patrick Mahomes and then now – and then he played – Tampa Bay and Tom, Brady. and Tom Brady last week, and now he goes to New Orleans. So that's three straight three straight weeks where Justin Herbert was playing a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, so it's, it's it's tough for him. I'm I'm gonna pick the Saints as well, just because I think the Saints have have a lot are a lot better team top to bottom, not just quarterback wise. So. Yeah, that'll be that's NFL Week Five pick them, and Nico's gonna post those with our beats of the week. Yeah, they'll be they'll be the second post behind beats of the week. Those will be coming out Thursdays. We moved our um, episode drops to Wednesday night or Wednesdays after our unhinged drops. So it'll, it'll be, be about Wednesday week. afternoon in Colorado, mm-hmm. um, and then like Wednesday evening if you're on the East Coast. Coast yeah. um, so now let's get into beats of the week. Um, Final segments. Final segments. Final Matt. segments. First final segments on the Unhinged Network. First final ones. And Beats of the Week brought to you by the Unhinged Network. And so for my first Beats of the Week, I called the last open or the last uh, um, tennis tournament. Last tennis tournament champion and Daniel Thyme. So I'm going back to back. I think this is a no-brainer. You're, I'm going to bet literally $100 on this because there's a very, very high chance this is going to happen. I would bet a lot, a lot of money on this. Nadal is going to win the French Open. Nadal is the best player in, on clay in the world in the history of tennis. There is no one – Nadal winning the French Open is basically like LeBron James going to the, going to the NBA Finals every year. It's almost as consistent because you almost guarantee LeBron's teams are going to be there, and you almost guarantee Nadal's going to win the French Open. It just they go hand in hand because every single year he's either in the final or he's winning it. And I think he's going to go back to back. I picked Dime to win the U.S. Open, so why not go pick go with me again to pick Nadal with the French Open? It's only plus one thirty eight, but Makes you sense. can win a lot of money still. Is Djokovic going to hit the ball at the line judge again? Is Nadal, he going to get yeah, disqualified? It's the Dolls tournament to lose, 100%. I know nothing about tennis, so... There's listen, a tennis talk for the week. Listen to Nico. For the month. <laughs> yeah, the tennis talk for the month, because <laughs> they'll have another big tournament at some point. We'll talk about the William Scissors, I'm sure. I don't, I don't know. Tennis. <laughs> tennis! Woo! Uh, my first beat is San Diego Padres to win the NL pennant right now is plus 400. Um, and I think that would be them winning and going into the World Series, so... That would be them making the World Series if they are able to beat the Dodgers, which I did some research, and I'm kind of going against my own pick here. They did not beat the Dodgers in a series. They The closest they got was they split a four-game series with the Dodgers in the regular season. But if they are able to somehow get past them in the ALDS, I don't see the Braves or the Marlins competing with them in the ALCS. And I think if, if they win this series that they're in right now with the Los Angeles Dodgers, that is going to be a huge payout because they're going to make it to the World Series. Yeah, I think it's between those two teams are going to be representing the NL. I don't think the Braves are going to win. I don't think the Marlins win. It's going to be the Padres or Dodgers especially. Um, what's your next beat of Lake? My next one, we're going back to college football. Virginia Tech to beat Northern Carolina, North Carolina, is at plus 164 to win outright. 
and the line is plus five and a half for Virginia Tech. So if Virginia Tech wins by less than five and a half, uh, that that would be a, a lot bigger of a payday. And plus 164, they're both undefeated. It looks a little bit lopsided because North Carolina, I think, is eighth in the country, and Virginia Tech is 19th. Um, but Virginia Tech has a really good coaching pedigree, and that program has always been really solid. Going back all the way to Mike Vick, um, so that's this is going to be a big game, and it's a rivalry ACC game, and so I would put money on Virginia Tech to upset the Tar Heels. The, 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 there's a lot of good ACC games this week, that's for sure. Going back to baseball for not my next beat of the week, I have. I, like I, like Jimmy said earlier, I like chaos, so I'm picking the Marlins to beat the Braves, plus 240. Why not? Marlins fans, rejoice. Your team is the best team you've had because I guarantee you neither Jimmy or I can name one single player on your team besides your, your GM, Derek Jeter. So I'm picking the Marlins, plus 240. Why not? Beat the Braves. That's going against my beat of the week two weeks ago. I really don't care. Marlins, I want chaos. Marlins in the NLD, NLCS. All right. You want to finish out or you want me to go with my last one? I'll first? let you go. Awesome. Cleveland Browns to beat the Colts, plus 126. And if you parlay that with a win margin uh, on FanDuel, was where I was looking. 1 to 13 points for the win margins, plus 190. 14 points is plus 550. So if the Browns win at plus 126 and then you put down the plus the 14 plus point margin that's a huge that's a plus 670 payout there depending on how much you put down and and the Browns beating the Colts is not out of the the realm of possibility this weekend and my for my last beat of the week I have I picked we talked about this a little bit I'm picking the Jags over the Texans I think that like you said the Texans um, falling apart having a new coach on a short week who knows what's going to happen you don't have all the your team's already in shambles talking about firing Bill O'Brien, so why not pick the Jags? They're at plus 240 right now to beat them. Yeah, and speaking of beats of the week, my one last week about the over-hitting in the Packers game doesn't look like it's happening because the Falcons left their offense in Atlanta. Yeah, unless unless the Packers score another three touchdowns here. But before, yeah. but before we move on to the player of the week, player of the week, we do have to give a quick – um, glimpse or a quick quick shout out to the better in Vegas that picked the uh, the over on game three. He picked over two hundred nineteen and a half points. He bet thir- and the Heat to win. He bet three thousand dollars and what it paid out for a hundred three thousand dollars, and he missed it by one point. That is tough. Oh my God, is that wow. tough? They, they, if literally one more free throw, one more thing. It was two hundred nineteen points on the dot. If there was one more point scored, that guy who who bet, I believe it was four thousand, not three thousand, bet four thousand would have won a hundred three thousand dollars if they would have scored one more point. That is so bad. That's a terrible beat. That's like the third time that the over is missed <sighs> by like half a point through not just basketball, but like the. When I was ta- doing the Thursday night opening game, and it was 54 and a half, and it ended up being 54. <sighs> and then there's been a couple other times where it's like, wow, they really just got me. You were really crap shooting in all oh. the beats of the week, but I mean, yeah. that's, that's tough. That's, that, that's that was tough. a bad one. I'll let you start with play of the week because I think. Player or player? We'll, we'll do play of the week starting with right. player of the I week. My play of the week, we, talked, we mentioned it earlier, Brandon Ayuk jumped over somebody and on this hurdle didn't even touch the defender that was coming at him. It was it was insane. He's a rookie. He shouldn't be able to do that this early. Brandon Ayuk and Dio Samuel are going to be a terrible, terrible nightmare for the NFC West and the 
the NFL as a, as a whole as a wide receiver tandem. Well, it is tandem. Spooktober, Jimmy, so I guess nightmares are good things. It's, <laughs> it's not going to be a good thing for everybody besides the 49ers yeah, for the next few years. Yeah, I think I might have been a track runner or something in high school or college or whatever. He cleared that thing by like – if, if, if he was running hurdles, he cleared that hurdle by like – That was just feet. as good as my Alec Engle pick last week, baby. Uh, but the fullback did it, so it was a little yeah. more impressive. So for my play of the week, I think it's pretty easy, pretty simple. I'm going with Jerry Judy, absolute mossing the shit out of the Jets defender. Oh, my Lord. And then toe tapping backwards into the end zone—the disrespect. My, mine also has a toe tap as well because he, he did make end up making it, and, and the ball did cross the plane. So the, that 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 was a good play. Oh my god! He got lucky that the defensive back lost the ball in the lights. Because oh, the defensive back. Was the DB had it in his hands and it got taken off of his face. That's literally the definition of getting mossed. Yeah, and that, I, I I could not not pick that. For that's the first time Jerry Judy's sig or solidified himself as like a top 20, 20 pick so far this season. He, he, Other I, than I, that, he, if he continues to make a play like that, he's going to have a lot more plays in the league, especially on my end. So. It's, it's probably going to end up being exactly like the season Fant had where everybody was expecting 100 yards receiving coming off the bat, and then he finishes out the season great. But he did have the dropsies. So mm-hmm. Jerry Judy is he's getting there, but I'm not quite ready to say he's going to be the number one yeah, receiver. He's, he, you know, he's not the number one yeah. receiver yet, especially with Sutton, but – on the play the Broncos roster, he technically is, I guess. But so for my player of the week now, it's pretty easy. The man dropped forty on on Monday night. The dude was unstoppable on both ends of the court. I'm picking G Jimmy B. The B doesn't stand for Butler. It stands for Jimmy Buckets. Gets buckets. The dude is an absolute bucket getter, and he is gonna. Bring this Heat team back to a 2-2 tie. I'm probably going to be wrong when you guys are listening to this, but I'm picking the Heat to win the series still, and Jimmy Butler is my player of the week. Jimmy, don't call me James Butler. James Uh, Buckets. Mine is a former Sooner. He plays on the Cincinnati Bengals, and he's been one of the best running backs in the league for about four or five years now, but doesn't get the credit because he plays on Cincinnati. That's Joe Mixon. He's a back-to-back 1,000-yard rusher, and Pro Football Focus came out with a stat I saw a couple weeks ago. I used to joke that he's dodging four tackles in the backfield on most of his runs. Now, he gets hit behind the line of scrimmage on like 65% of the plays that he gets the ball. But this past week, 25 carries, 151 yards, two touchdowns. He had six catches, 30 yards, and one touchdown. That's a total of 31 touches for 181 yards and three touchdowns. As a running back in, the game, in a game of football today in the NFL where the running back position doesn't matter, he was the difference maker, and he's also going to help Joe Mixon, or not Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow progress a lot quicker being that dominant. You know, the running back position is dead to everybody except us, baby. Yeah. We love to run the damn ball, baby. Run the damn ball. Get behind your centers. Get behind the fullback. Run the damn ball. That's that's for sure. I mean, Joe Mixon, he's basically a fullback in himself. That stiff arm is dirty. I think, is dirty. Bit, I think besides, you know, it's up there with him and Henry, but he's got one of the best in the league. So if you guys are still, hopefully you guys are still joining us along this. I know it's a it's our first hour and 45 minute episode. It's going to be two hours at the end of it. Um, hope, I hope you guys really enjoyed this. It's our first episode on the Unhinged Network on Wednesday mornings at, uh, fuck, what time are we on Wednesday? <laughs> Wednesday afternoons. <laughs> Wednesday afternoons. One to three <laughs> Eastern. So if you're in Colorado, you're listening to this at around lunch, or like 11 to 1. So Yeah, and then if, if, you, are li- if you are listening live, we, this episode will be coming out on Spotify and on Apple and everything else right after this airs. Yeah, I'm scheduling it for 1 o'clock our time, which will be 3 o'clock uh, Eastern time when the episode is over. So that, it'll be... 
once this is over, if you missed anything or like you, we say that we mentioned something earlier on, go back and listen to the On Demand podcast because it's still is you don't have to just listen live. That's that was a big thing with the network. We wanted to be able to have that opportunity and, and grow, but we also wanted to be sure to keep our market going the way that it has been. And you guys have been killing it, listening and, and interacting with us. It's been a lot of fun these past couple of weeks. And- We've been having so much fun, man. It's been it's so, so exciting. Everyone at the Unchanged Network, we've been listening on Friday, then we listened again today. There's been so many <coughs> great podcasts on there. J-Dash Show, the Gridiron Gallery, Air Raid yep. Attack, the, the, the wrestling show, the Chokeslam wrestling, choke wrestling, the MMA show. There's so many great ones. We're, we're, the, we're, the, we're the nightcap, quote-unquote, on Wednesdays. Yeah. And, um, <coughs> Wouldn't call us the headliners because we're, we're we're not we're not there yet, but we're really in, we really can't be more excited for uh, you all to listen both on Unhinged and as well as on all regular platforms. Yeah, so be on the lookout. Keep uh, go ahead and bookmark unhingedsn.com because when Nico starts doing that Sunday morning show, that's where you'll be able to find it. That's where you can find the blogs. We just posted a blog uh, today as you guys are li- as we're recording this on Monday, so you guys can go back and. Look at that. It was a good and a bad of the NFL that I wrote earlier today. Um, and while we're at it, go ahead and follow the podcast on social media, Twitter and Instagram at FEOTBpod. Subscribe to us. On, like the pod, baby. On, on all po- platforms other than Spotify. Subscribe, like, rate, review. Uh, if you leave a good enough review, we might we might read you on air. And, yeah, and now we could read you live because we'll be going live. Yeah, but we won't be, we won't be reading unless it's actually good stuff. So you guys make sure... You say something oh, it's worthy be, of being talked about. Yeah, it's got to be top level to be talked about. Because we talked about the Cubs, and we all know what happened there. So. Yeah, and then be paying attention to the social media pages because we do have a YouTube channel in the works, and uh, that could be dropping very, very soon. Very, very soon. Man. So, if you guys are uh, listening to the voice recording right now, me and Jamie are in the works of making yep. our YouTube page and editing the video, so you'll not only be able to see us, but you'll also be able to hear us. Yeah, oh, sorry. Gonna, here you'll be able to hear us. Not you'll also be able to see us. Yeah, so. you, you know you'll I see how dumb we really are. It's been two and, hours. I don't know what the hell I'm jabbering on about. <laughs> yeah, but this has been with that pre- presented by the Unhinged Network. The Unhinged Network, maybe. This has been Unhinged Far SM. End of the Bench, Episode Nine. We'll see you next week. Peace. This is a dollar was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them pipes and I made it a habit. Towing them pistols and serving them addicts. That was exciting to me. I'm so excited to be. Started with nothing, we had to inspire the beat. Elephants are getting ahead of me. I'm getting to it. Feel like the man. I got the plan. I call the shooters, they out with the van. Play with the squad, get piled like a sand. Piled like a perk. I'm going here. I'm going crazy. I'm here. Who's sticking up for nigga? Look at that music. I look a sand. I'm in the kitchen, compressing the bird. Take out a nine and I sell it for 30. Straight to the